Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hello! Hey, that's right, it is your Jeremy, your Spider-Pan, and we're back again. Guess what? We made it another week in a row. All right? Another week of some Halloween fun. I like that I'm being consistent. I hope I can keep this up. I want to be consistent again like we were all those times. And now that I'm working full time again, which actually just started today at my new position at KQTV in St. Joe uh, in creative services, making advertisements for the channel. Sometimes they're self-promotional and sometimes they're for businesses in the area. Uh, I got to do just a little bit today. I'm kind of learning the ropes of how things work at the company. So it's been a heck of a good start. But, uh, you know, I couldn't just, you know, rest at all the new stuff in my head. I needed to come and finish up this show. I had already a great over the weekend, a conversation with James Kennison from That Story Show. And you might remember him. He was on, uh, well, that's a while back. We talked some Disney Channel, him and his co-host, John Steinklover. They're they're both funny people. uh, And they share a lot of funny stories that people submit to their show of all kinds of different stuff. It's it's a fun show. If you need some good comedy, it's a good, fun show to listen to. Well, James Kennison, he stopped by, but we weren't talking some comedy, although we did have some fun. We talked 
talked about some survival horror video games, which might surprise a few of his fans that he is into that sort of thing. Might surprise some of my fans that I'm into that sort of thing. But then again, I've talked about those sort of things. But, you know, it's not a normal thing. And uh, we'll kind of get into that as we have that discussion. But before we get into that, of course, I do have some trailers that happened this week that I want to talk about. Uh, some new releases, including one that's uh, just the international trailer of something we already know is coming. Uh, some new stuff coming to Disney+. Plus. And also other streaming media sources and something coming to the theaters. And then of course, I do have a review of the new film Dune, to which I should say Dune Part 1, which they actually titled it. And you didn't really, I didn't know about it, Part 1 until the title came up when I was watching it on HBO Max. I would like to get out to a theater and watch it because I bet it would look neat on a, on a big screen. But I do want to go through and talk about what I've been watching. And I'm continuing to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I'm having to change my schedule of how I'm watching it because I was watching it while I was working, uh, doing traffic, you know, so I'm looking at the screen. I'm just kind of listening to the episodes and I kind of glance over when I need to see what's on that screen. Uh, but so now I'm actually going to watch it on my regular time. Uh, and I actually have time to eat breakfast at home. So I did this morning while I was eating my breakfast, I was watching an episode. I didn't get to finish the episode, but yeah, I was getting to watch Star Trek. And it's an episode I'd seen before. It's where uh, Barkley is first introduced for anyone who knows uh, who who a Lieutenant Barkley is. Uh, played by, um, oh golly, it's Dwight uh, Schultz, I believe. Uh, who played, of course, uh, I believe Murdoch on the A-Team back in the 80s. And he did roll himself into Star Trek. Uh, and it was a very interesting character. He's got a very good story arc where he, he proves his value on the Enterprise by the end of the episode that I'm watching, which I haven't gotten to finish watching, uh, but I have seen it before. What have I been playing? Well, other than, of course, Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which we have been streaming. Oh, my goodness. I haven't gotten to play any Scareplay. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do Scareplay today. i got to finish this show. Uh, so I the Scareplay I meant to play every day here. Not gonna. I I haven't managed to get every day, and I'm not gonna get any today either. But that's how I've been playing Resident Evil Code Veronica X, streaming it live on our YouTube channel, the Neverland Official Gaming Channel. And you got to make sure you search for it and look for the word "official" because there's there is a Neverland Gaming out there, and that's not me. Uh, but we'd love to get that channel to get built up and have some fun together over there as well. Other than that. I uh, had the urge to play Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and I've been playing that on my PS3 just kind of casually on my own, um, which, my goodness, that is such a great, fun game. That's one of those almost timeless games, and it's one of the games that, other than like Super Metroid, we got the term Metroidvania, where you get to go and uh, in a 2D type of game and finding new items that allow you to go into new areas and uh, exploration uh, of a of one single major environment that has different styles of places. I mean, it's just a great game. And uh, finding out, of course, it is available to be able to play on the PS4 as well uh, with a Castlevania Requiem that came out a few years ago, which you know, was on sale. I don't know if the sale is going on anymore, uh, but it comes with... Um, Oh, Rondo Blood, I believe it's called, which is something that I guess was not released in this form uh, in the United States. I think it was released as Castlevania at Dracula X, I believe, but it didn't. Ha I don't I don't think it had all the cinema uh, bits that were in between the levels or, you know, setting up the story that uh, this Rondo of Blood had. But it wasn't released under this name. But this is the game that it plays like a traditional Castlevania game. And it's very unforgiving, but at the end of it, you get to the uh, that last level that you have at the beginning of Symphony of the Night, um, where that one picks up. Uh, so, yeah, I've been playing some of the Castlevania and having some fun exploring the castle and finding a chance that I'm going to have to 
Maybe do it again. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him all. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. Yeah, I almost hit a wrong button there, didn't I? <laughs> With uh, trying to remember which button was news and which one was trailers. But we don't have really any news I want to get into other than, you know, Genie Plus is rolling now. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But we got a chance to look at Uncharted. There are places out there you can't find on any map. They're not gone. They're just lost. Hey, kid. A little young for a bartender, aren't you? A little old for prom, aren't you? Everything in here. Why the map? This is the path that Ferdinand Magellan took to sail around the world. You know your history. It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion, easy. I think you're here because you're your brother. Well, you know my brother, Sam. If you find that gold, you find him too. Who the hell is this? I'm a friend of Sully's. Sully doesn't have any friends. I should know I'm one of them. You are a collector. Well, I dabble. I don't dabble. My family has been looking for this fortune for a very long time. So much blood. I'm pretty sure he just threatened to kill me. Don't touch your ear like that. You look like an idiot. You have no idea who you partnered with. I've been dreaming about this stuff since I was a kid. My brother Sam left one final clue. What? Oh, crap! Exclusively in movie theaters. February the 18th, coming actually very, very soon. And it's neat that this trailer is not only on the... Uh, like the Sony, I believe, is the one that's bringing out the game, but it's also on the PlayStation... Uh, YouTube channel, but uh, there are some people who have been saying uh, no to this and putting some negative uh, thumbs down on the trailer here on YouTube. And I think it's, you know, Mark Wahlberg as Sully. There's nothing very Sully about him, and maybe he should have grown a mas- mustache, but these these two actors, and you got some good actors, but they don't seem like the characters we're used to in the games. But, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, there are some definite nods to some scenes from the games in this trailer, and so that gets me interested. Uh, although it is kind of different in the games, we get established that Nathan Drake meets Sully when Nathan is a little kid, and it seems we're just now meeting him, and he's, he's Tom Holland's age. Uh, Tom Holland is uh, fairly young, and he's younger than Nathan Drake is, I believe, in the games. 
um, which I think is how they were trying to justify, like, oh, look, see, no, we're going to go a little bit. Of, he's a little younger. So maybe this story would fit in. I thought that would be like fit in. and It could be almost canon within the games. It's like, but no, uh, they're it's their own. It's completely ind- independent story. But I did kind of recognize uh, a few characters like uh, Chloe, I believe, is in there. Uh, we've got a cast. Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, Sophia Ali, Tati Gabrielle, and Antonio Banderas. Based on one of the best-selling, most critically acclaimed video game series of all time, Uncharted introduces audiences to the young, street-smart Nathan Drake and showcases his first treasure-hunting adventure with wisecracking partner Victor Sully Sullivan. In an action-adventure epic that spans the globe, the two go in dangerous pursuit of the greatest treasure never found, while also tracking clues that may lead to Nathan's long-lost brother, which we know his brother to be Sam, and that's kind of an important uh, thing in the fourth Uncharted game. Uh, I haven't played. There is a fifth game. It's not a Nathan Drake game. It's uh, the Lost Legacy. It focuses on Chloe and another character from the fourth game that I think is appearing in this movie that she's kind of a villain. Uh, I think I own a copy of it digitally, but I have not played that one yet. Uh, I have. Well, speaking of playing games, I've been replaying the first Uncharted because it was re-released and remastered for PS4. And I went through and played through that because uh, I am pretty excited for a movie version of this. I mean, this this could take the place of uh, Indiana Jones films, really. So I'm looking forward to this coming in February. Uh, hopefully it turns out as good as the games and we have a lot of fun with it. So, yes. Next, Diary of a Wimpy Kid coming to Disney Plus as an animated. And I don't know if this is supposed to be like a series or a movie. I'm not sure. First of all, this is a journal, not a diary. Tomorrow is the first day of middle school. But luckily, I'm not alone in this middle school thing. I've got my best friend, Rally. Here's what you need to know. Watch where you sit on the first day of school. Don't use the bathroom on the second floor. And finally, don't get the cheese touch. Because if you do, you might as well be dead. Thank you, Roderick, for that wonderful pep talk. We're out of our league here. Maybe my mom can homeschool me. Hey, Greg! Wanna come over and play? Yep, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in therapy over this. We're in middle school now. Don't you think it's time to start acting our age? I walk in like, how do you do? I just do a little better with an attitude. Ah, Want to see my secret freckle? I'm like permanently scarred from that night. Look at these little nerds. I'll pass their bedtime. But for now, I'm stuck in middle school, surrounded by morons. If you just stick with me, everything will be fine. Ah! Oh. oh, sorry. I-, I thought you were teenagers. Are you all right? You're all right. The first book in Jeff Kinney's worldwide best-selling series comes to Disney Plus in the all-new animated adventure Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Greg Heffley is a scrawny but ambitious kid with an active imagination and big plans to be rich and famous. He just has to survive middle school first. To make matters worse, Greg's lovable best friend, Rowley, seems to coast through life and succeed at everything without 
even trying. As details of his hilarious and often disastrous attempts to fit in fill the pages of his journal, Greg learns to appreciate true friends and the satisfaction that comes from standing up for what is right. Directed by Swinton Scott and written and produced by Jeff Kinney, Diary of a Wimpy Kid features the voices of Brady Noon as Greg Heffley, Ethan William Childress as Roley Jefferson, and Chris Diamantopoulos as Frank Heffley. And I like that this is styled from the artwork you would see on the covers of these books. Now, I've never read any of these books. I I was grown up by the time these come out, and I think these were definitely aimed at kids going through middle school uh, when they came out. So I, I haven't watched any of the movies, haven't read any of the books, but this looks kind of cute, and I might just actually want to watch it. So I might check it out when it comes out, but that's December 3rd on Disney+. Plus. So next we have, uh, and this, it's it's hard to really get what was going on. I believe this is coming to Netflix, but Cowboy Bebop as a live action. Uh, and I believe it's a series, but it may be a movie, but I'm pretty sure it's a series. Hey, there's a new bounty on the line. Worth the trouble? You want to keep the lights on around here? Mm, where did we find this dipstick? We'll handle this one. On our own. Not a chance. Not that way. Hey. I got him. That's not the bounty. I got him. That's not the bounty either. What? We're on a job. Seriously? Noodles first. this point i mean it's a lot of not a lot of dialogue and you're just hearing a lot of oof ah and bits of music uh so i'm gonna go ahead and stop the trailer right there uh this is you really have to see this trailer and uh if this is the style that the series is gonna be like this is gonna be pretty cool because they really play with the aspect of uh i'm pretty sure this was a manga before it became an anime and i've seen a little bit of the anime and it's pretty fun uh and seeing what they've done with the visual styling and how they've directed this and moved like almost comic book framing lines that the, they're interacting with. Uh, it's really kind of neat and different what they've done with this trailer and stuff. So the series is anything like this trailer. Uh, this could be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to checking this out coming very soon. It is a series. Yes, indeed on, I, I should have looked at this while I was on there, but Netflix, <laughs> I believe was getting this, uh, something else we already know is coming and We've heard several trailers for this, but this an official international trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I just thought it'd be fun to share this. Yeah! 
Mom, what kind of scientist was Grandpa? Honestly, I have no idea. I found it in my living room. Wait a minute. This thing is real? Somehow, a town that has no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. What is that? Maybe it's the apocalypse. Oh my god. This isn't a mine. It's a gateway. is happening here. We need to finish what our grandfather started. That's not good. Hey, buddy. November 18th, it says here in this trailer. Uh, this is, of course, the international trailer. We got a better look at Terror Dogs chasing Paul Rudd through a store. Uh, and a lot of other new footage we hadn't gotten to see before. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm just so eager for this. November 18th, Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is going to be great. Looks fantastic. But now, guess what I've made? Want to see a movie? Yeah. Any good? It was bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad thing. My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. I like it a lot. The best movie ever made. A fandom nexus movie review. That's right. I made a sounder for movie reviews. There might be some tweaks done to it. Instead of that computer voice at the end, I might have an actual voice. Uh, we'll we'll see about that. But uh, let me just get into a little bit of what uh, Frank Herbert. Frank Patrick Herbert Jr., born October 8th, 1920 in Tacoma, Washington. Herbert began researching Dune in 1959. He was able to devote himself wholeheartedly to his writing career because his wife returned to work full-time as an advertising writer for department stores, becoming the breadwinner during the 1960s. The novel Dune was published in 1965, which spearheaded the Dune franchise. He later told Willis E. McNelly that the novel originated when he was assigned to write a magazine article about sand dunes in the Oregon Dunes near Florence, Oregon. He got over-involved and ended up with far more raw material than needed for an article. The article was never written, but it planted the seed that led to Dune. Another significant source of inspiration for Dune was Herbert's experiences with psycho or psilocybin, I think that's how you say that, psilocybin, and his hobby of cultivating mushrooms, according to mycologist Paul Statman's account. Dune took six years of research and writing to complete and was much longer than other commercial science fiction of the time. Analog, renamed Astounding, still edited by John W. Campbell, published it in two parts, comprising 
eight installments, Dune Worlds from December 1963 and Prophet of Dune in 1965. It was then rejected by nearly 20 book publishers. One editor prophetically wrote, I might be making the mistake of the decade, but... Sterling E. Lanier, an editor of Chilton Book Company, known mainly as its auto repair manuals, had read the Dune serials and offered $7,500 advance plus future royalties for the rights to publish them as a hardcover book. Herbert rewrote much of his text. Dune was soon a critical success. It won the Nebula Award for Best Novel in 1965 and shared the Hugo Award in 1966 with And Call Me Conrad by Roger Zelazny, I believe that's how you say that. Uh, Dune was the first major ecological science fiction novel embracing a multitude of sweeping and interrelated themes and multiple character viewpoints, a method that ran through all of Herbert's mature work. Dune was not an immediate bestseller. By 1968, Herbert had made $20,000 from it, far more than most science fiction novels of the time were generating, but not enough to let him take up full-time writing. However, the publication of Dune did open doors for him. He was the Seattle Post-Intelligencer's education writer from 1969 to 1972 and lecturer in general studies and interdisciplinary studies at the University of Washington from 1970 to 1972. He worked in Vietnam and Pakistan as a social and ecological consultant in 1972. 1973, he was a director photographer of the television show The Tillers. Uh, so now, now he did go on with the Dune saga. Um, he continued writing, followed up with Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, uh, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Chapter House Dune. Initially, Frank planned writing a seventh novel of Dune to conclude the series, but his untimely death in 1986 left the series with questions and plot threads that remain unanswered and unresolved. Other highlights were the Dosadi Experiment, The Godmakers, The White Plague, and the books he wrote in partnership with Bill Ransom. The Jesus Incident to the Lazarus Effect, The Ascension Factor, were sequels to Destination Void. He also helped launch the career of Terry Brooks with a very positive review of Brooks' first novel, The Sword of Shannara, in 1977. So, yeah, I've, I've read at least two of the books, but I think I end up hopping up to uh, Children of Dune. So I think I must have missed a book, Dune Messiah. I've never read that one. Of course, I listened to audiobooks, and I don't really remember much of what happened in Children of Dune. But perhaps this film series will go on. Although from what I've heard, they only filmed part one. I would expect that they have filmed part two as well. But maybe they weren't confident that this could be successful. And as it, as it is now, I haven't really looked up how successful the film was in theaters and on HBO Max right now. I will say that I did greatly enjoy it. Uh, they tell about half the story of the book. They ter- they're they taking their time and just telling a good story. They haven't included every little story thread in there, but neither the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings had to abandon a few things. Uh, and that's you know, a big grand scale epic. Now, is this as good as Lord of the Rings? I didn't think so. I think one of the factors that made Lord of the Rings better is the Howard Shore score. Dune has Hans Zimmer, and he is a great composer, but most of his music seems to be just drums and a tone, like a one-note tone going through. And There wasn't a melody that really captured the imagination or brought in your emotions. Uh, And I I feel like that kind of hurt the film. But the cast was great. Uh, Timothea Chalamet as Paul Atreides was great. Rebecca Ferguson, uh, she was in Reminiscence and a lot of other different things. The Mission Impossible movies as Lady Jessica Atreides. Oscar Isaac, we all know from the Star Wars sequels. As Duke Leto Atreides. Zendaya, of course, popping up. Jason Momoa. Stellan Skarsgård, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, which he's always great as villains, uh, but he's not quite a villain in this one. Dave Bautista. Uh, I mean, just a lot of people in this movie. Uh, and the 
The acting was just great. The storytelling, they took their time, was great. I really did enjoy it, and I'm eager to see the next part. But, you know, it took such a long time to get this part out that I'm worried if they haven't started filming the second part or if they haven't already filmed it, their characters are going to have aged a lot by the time we get the next part. I mean, they really need to get cracking and uh, see how far they can go. But Dune is one of those those stories that uh, it's been attempted to adapt into film in a television series a couple of times, and it's it's been very difficult to do it right. I tried to watch the David Lynch 1984 version. I couldn't get very far. It's weird. I am, And I've heard that even if you've read the book, that you still won't understand this movie. It just doesn't quite work somehow. And uh, the miniseries I never saw, and I, I figure with that miniseries, they tried to pack as much, but I don't think they had near the budget that this film has. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, directed by Denny Villeneuve, uh, and I believe he also worked on the screenplay with Eric Roth and John Spites. Uh, so it's definitely, uh, definitely worth your time. Uh, you know, seeing it in the theater might be very awesome. I did watch it on HBO Max because, uh, you know, I don't have money to go to a theater necessarily right now uh, until I get, you know, a regular series of paychecks in. So, but yeah, definitely, if you have HBO Max, definitely check it out. Or I'm saying definitely a lot. Uh, or go to the theater and check this out, Dune. Uh, this is definitely worth your time. This was, uh, it's not a, what I'd call full-on action adventure. This is just good storytelling and great science fiction. And like I said, I really enjoyed it a lot. But now it's time to welcome our guest. Come on in. We're nightmares on the best part of my day. All right. So we're still having some fun for Halloween. And I know the show hasn't been that spooky. Last week, it wasn't really that spooky because we spent most of our time talking about all the DC fandom stuff. But this week... We're going to really scare you and to make some recommendations. So I brought somebody in to help me out who's, you know, not known for being scary. I don't know. No. You might frighten some people. I don't know who. <laughs> Only in real life when they see me um, accidentally and they're not prepared for my <laughs> ugly face. Oh, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. My name's James Kennison. I do a show called That Story Show, and um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you're normally known for bringing the funny. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, hopefully people remember, because we had a good old time, uh, had both you and John on. We were talking the uh, classic Disney Channel. That was so much fun. Oh, yeah. We had so much fun. We ended up talking Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. It's bound to happen. But I have a secret uh, a secret obsession with scary games. I, I don't let a lot of people know that because, you know, it, I don't, it, people judge you and stuff. But oh, I yeah. like uh, like spooky games. Yeah, which is My weird because I, I, I kind of do, too. And I don't like... I don't like modern horror movies, but I think the main thing is I don't like to be grossed out and I don't yeah. like a lot of gore and blood and crap like that, you know. But there's a lot of good suspenseful scary movies yes. out there, like The Others, for instance, Ooh. was one of my favorites. Ooh. And it's so scary. But mm -hmm. it, it, at the end, the twist is it just it makes it all all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, it makes you want to kind of watch it again just so you can look for it. Like now I know what was really going yeah. on. Oh, my and goodness. It likes Sixth Sense, you know, oh, is another yeah. good example. Yeah. Uh, there's a friend of mine. She just calls them spooky movies. Spooky movies. I'm going to watch a spooky movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, usually yeah. if I want to watch a spooky movie, I pull to like some old stuff like uh, Vincent Price has a, has a classic movie, House on Haunted Hill, which I've actually purchased right. digital copy, which oh. has become famous for that goofy skeleton that they have that comes out. But that's a good movie because it's suspenseful. There's also another one. I think it's Haunting of the Hell House has. Oh, pardon me. Frank Seven Up uh, has Roddy McDowell in it. For anyone <laughs> might know him from Planet of the Apes, and Roddy McDowell's been about everything. 
even Batman right. the animated series, you know. But the, right. uh, that's a really good scary one, a haunted house one. The old original black and white haunting. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> well, and, and then, of course, George Romero's uh, Living Dead, oh, you know, goodness. is classic great one. Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> and the whiny protagonist. Yeah. But as close as I go into anything that's almost modern is the original Halloween because there's no blood. And I prefer to watch it edited. That way I don't have a bunch of nudity because I'm not really wanting nudity thrown at me either. Yeah, that's the bad part about liking scary movies is they want to throw in all that crud. And uh, there there are plenty that don't. So but you have to be careful. Yeah, I don't I don't like seeing the boobs. Yeah, unless they're attached to my wife. Okay, so to to clarify, it's like, yeah. Yeah. We're we're very much straight men. We just uh, I, we want like to focus on our wife because we are also, you know, I don't know how godly you'd call us, but we try. That's that's best we can do is we try to be the yeah. best we can. You know, exactly. We're not perfect, but you know, but that. So I, but I try to control what I put in my head, and a lot of things they put into like modern horror movies are just stuff I don't want to put into my head because if I put it in my head, it might come out. Right. So that's true. But it yeah, might come out. We're going to end up <laughs> teaching moral lessons instead of talking games. But yeah, that's why it's weird that I've ended up liking survival horror games. And I'll even I can get into how I got into them uh, as we as we talk about one particular game, uh, which is, is, I find it very strange that I really enjoyed that game. And then that makes me seek after more of these games because I'm really not normally into that thing. But I think the difference is when you watch a movie like this. You know, you're you're not just watching some dumb teenager run out in the woods, you know, get high and then get killed by some guy in a hockey mask. You're armed and you can fight back against the darkness. So something scary right. will happen, but you're ready to fight it. And you actually have to use some skill to not get killed. And some you, know, you, you have to gain some some game survival instincts, uh, instincts and you have to manage your inventory. There's a lot of layers to these, but I feel like I can fight back. Right. And that makes it more fun. Although there's definitely one game that we put on the list that I found for half the game, at least I couldn't fight back and it was oh, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, those are my kind of my favorite ones. I mean, I love shooting bad guys. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but yeah, the, the ones where they just put you in a helpless state and you have to, ju- you just have no uh, recourse to take against the bad guys other than to run away or hide or stealth. It, it's it's a whole different dynamic, yeah. but I love it. Yeah, I, I re- must say the game I recently played, which those of you who are following on the official Neverland Gaming Channel will know exactly what I'm talking about if you watched. We, we have going on, by the way, part of the inspiration on this, Scareplay 2021. Go follow the YouTube channel. You can see me playing some scary games that I have never played before. Which I've gone through two of them, and I'm working through another one, which we'll, I'll probably have to mention when we get to it, although I've never actually completed it. But I had played before uh, one particular game. But yes, yeah, so I am playing some scary games on there, so you can go and check it out and see me do badly at some of them. And also one of the games that we're going to talk about is one that I, I recently got through that, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, hiding in lockers. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> There, oh, there might yes. be aliens involved yes. in this one. Yeah. Oh, big nasty ones with long pointed tails. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah, it's kind of weird that we get into this, um, which, well, I'll, I'll, once we get to the one that kind of pulled me in, I'll find out what game maybe pulled you in first because we're going to go back in time a little bit. And I threw in one just for fun because it's it's not really considered like a survival horror game. And the game isn't necessarily scary. 
And it's not even that great of a game, but we had it on our old, not Super Nintendo, but regular Nintendo, but there was a Friday the 13th game that LJN put out, and LJN was known for getting the license for a lot of uh, uh, IPs or intellectual properties, making Mm -hmm. games as fast as they could, and they weren't always that great. And so Friday the 13th, unfortunately, it's, it's got the same looping music over and over in every section, and I think that's one of the biggest complaints they have. But, you know... It was kind of intense, and I've never even watched a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Even to this day, I haven't. I've seen little bits of of stuff, but uh-huh. I, you know, and but I never actually pl- you know watched the movies before I played the game. But so you tell tell me about the game. What does it do? I've never played it. Back then, I was a teenager when we had our NES. I I still lived at home, and I was in a staunch Christian family where uh, I was lucky to have Mario. You know, <laughs> and probably only that because it came with the game with the uh, system. But tell me what was Friday the 13th, the game like, because I have seen the movie back <laughs> in the day. Well, you were playing as one of six camp counselors and you could switch between them and you everybody would have a cabin that they would be in. And certain cabins, the counselors could stay in and you could swap to different ones. But uh, the weird thing now, as, as far as from what I've heard, Jason Voorhees never killed a child or never went after the children. Right. Right. Yeah. There were no children in the movie. There yeah, always it was all. Camp counselors, yeah. Teenagers acting up, which is exactly what his mother was upset about because they were, the teenagers were messing around and not saving her son that drowned. And, you know, right. Begin to then suddenly he comes up as a full grown giant zombie man or something, I guess. For, for, for no explained reason. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but you go around, uh, you can go into the woods, you can go and find uh, this cave area where you can find uh, Mama Voorhees' head floating around. If you beat her head, you can actually steal the sweater. That'll protect you a little bit. But Jason will go through and attack the kids that are all in these cabins off of the lake, and you have to go and try to stop them. But uh, you basically you start out throwing rocks, and like inexplicably, these zombies come out of the ground, and you that's your basic stuff that you're going and killing as you're running around the paths on in the camp, uh, and you can wander around all these different paths, but. Unless you're going to where you know Jason is, because randomly an alarm will go off. He's attacking the kids or randomly an alarm will go off. He's attacking a counselor that you've left in one of the other cabins. But he might just randomly show up on screen with you because uh, and I've seen YouTube videos where people pointed out that there is a path that he's programmed to take. And based upon where he's um, shown up, you can know where to meet him when you're wanting to fight him. Because he might randomly, you're just walking along, killing zombies, all of a sudden the screen will kind of stop moving to the left or the right. And that's when you know that after you kill the next zombie, Jason's going to appear right on there. But he would he would come up, and it was a jump scare every time he'd show up, and you'd have this shung, 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 shung sound. And so it would kind of make you jump. But, you know, then Jason just doesn't wait for you to be done jumping. He just throws machetes or axes at you. Oh, my gosh. Because everything is a thrown object. Sounds pretty complex for an NES game, that's for sure. Yeah, it, was, it actually had a lot to it, and uh, you, you even could fight, of course, when you fight him in a cabin, trying to save the kids from him, you actually had a, uh, well, not really first person, because you're down at the bottom of the screen, and you can move side to side on the bottom of the screen, and you could, it's kind of difficult on an NES controller, you'd push diagonally down, and you could dodge to the left or right, and you'd have to go through, and uh, Jason was kind of going to the left and right, and he would stop in front of you and take swings at you, and you would try to dodge, and then you would try to, after he took a swing, at you, you when you come back, you would try to throw whatever weapon you have, and you eventually, you know, you graduate from uh, rocks to you'd find a knife, then you could get a machete, you could get an axe, and the most powerful weapon was uh, finding uh, like a torch, and you could throw fire at him because I guess Jason doesn't like fire. So, but that's the most powerful thing is you can burn him. But you basically you fight him, and when you defeat him, you have to actually defeat him three times. 
So like when you knock him down, you'll get to a screen while you have him, you know, showing Jason sitting there and it says, oh, you've won this time, but Jason's still alive, you know. And then if you beat him three times, it'll be a, a, an official beat the game game over and he becomes right. stronger each round. Now, I was just happy to have beat him one round and I considered it done, done and done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to bother with a more powerful Jason coming back full strength when I'm not coming back full strength. So, right. but some people that's, they, they've gotten good at that game and you can watch on YouTube people going through and showing you how it's done, how you can beat Jason. But what was funny is he had, you know, cause the Nintendo was limited on colors, right? He had kind of a light blue mask and this weird purple jumpsuit. Yeah. I'm looking at images on <laughs> Google images right now. And I see that very thing. You can actually, as a fan, you can get on and buy uh, what they're calling the retro NES Jason mask. <laughs> and it's it's like a teal color yeah. with purple blood on it. <laughs> so like bright magenta. Oh wow. <laughs> and there's even a Funko Pop of him and he is uh all pixelated. It's great. Oh, I gotta look for this now. Okay. It's fifty dollars though on oh, my Walmart goodness. Walmart.com. I don't know if you can get the original somewhere, but oh my uh, the, goodness, it's I being resold this. for fifty dollars, and it's gorgeous. It's a great <laughs> little because he's all pixelated. It's yeah. Oh my goodness, that how fun is that? <laughs> that is a lot of fun, actually. That is great. Uh, what's also fun, and uh, I don't remember if I wrote it on our list to talk about later, but that more recent Friday the Thirteenth game that was uh, kind of a multiplayer one they actually had where you could unlock. Jason's colors from the NES game, and he'd be looking, you know, with the purple oh, wow. jumpsuit. Is that Dead by Daylight by chance? Uh, no, it was it was, a... it was a Friday the Thirteenth game that was completely online, oh. and it's it's imagine playing oh. hide and seek because you can hide, and uh, you're either playing as a counselor or you could be playing as Jason, which I thought okay. was a little sick because playing as Jason, you know, what you want to go around and horribly murder everybody, <laughs> right? Right. But it's basically well, hide and seek. Dead by Daylight's kind of a similar kind of concept. It's a mm-hmm. multiplayer. And one person plays the bad guy and they have multiple themes. And I know right. Friday the 13th was one of them. So. I think Dead by Daylight was one of the inspirations of the people who made this Friday the 13th game. They looked at Dead by Daylight and I think they worked with them to create ah. it. But instead of, you know, mounting everybody up on a tree for some alien to take them, you're literally just murdering them in various different styles that you can unlock these pretty brutal murders that you can do as Jason. Huh. Uh, but you're actually at Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, and as the counselors, you're trying to find a way to survive by either... Lasting for, I think it's like 20 minutes per round. If you're still alive in 20 minutes, you win, you escape. Uh, hmm. Or you can escape by, you can put a, a car back together because for some reason the cars around there have all been completely dismantled. There's no battery in it. There's no gas in it. You know, So you have to find all this right. stuff and the car keys. And then you can try to drive away. Uh, you can attempt to get a boat gassed up and take the boat away. But Jason underwater moves extremely fast and he can come and rip that boat down real quick. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> he does it in the movies apparently, too. So uh, uh, also at one point, if as a counselor has died, if you have made a phone call on a radio and you and you can have your counselor and just basically yelling, Jason's here. We're at the camp. I know. Uh, and uh, and I think Kevin Bacon played this character initially, but uh, I can't remember the character's name. He'll show up with a shotgun as and as a player will, that's been killed as a counselor comes back as that character. And he can actually help kill Jason. But that takes a complicated thing to kill Jason because somebody has to go and get the sweater on a female counselor. And yeah. then you can use this sweater to stun Jason, but you need to beat him up and knock his mask off first. But then you use the sweater to stun Jason, and it's Jason stunned. Whoever is playing as the one character uh, that was a Kevin Bacon character in some movie can kill Jason. 
but it's really hard to do. I've seen it done on some YouTube videos. Uh, the other option is to call for the police and the police will show up uh, a little bit faster. And once they show up, you can run and escape to whichever exit of the park has the police at it. Oh, so you have ways to escape, but all the advantages are on Jason's side because Jason has no powers. Joke. Yeah. Jason can use the power to detect where uh, your which cabin you're in. He'll light your cabin up red and he'll see it. Whoever's placing is Jason. Uh, he can highlight the the counselors. Of course, if you're in the cabin, that's how the cabin lights up. But he highlights counselors. He can also move at super speeds. He can teleport, basically. So you can, you know, Jason right. can pick a spot on the map that he thinks you're at and just appear. Because in the movies, apparently, he just suddenly can appears. And for some reason, he can move insanely fast. And you thought he was behind you. And then suddenly he runs around in front of you. Like they say, he never runs, but he always catches up. Yes. And the cool thing is, when Jason uses his power... Uh, it'll the screen will kind of the counselors can see it because the, the screen will mess up like a videotape like VHS oh. because most people saw these movies on VHS so it's kind of right, cool right. very retro uh, but I think the servers on that have shut down I, I think I own a copy of it on Steam uh, which there are things you can play solo now but if you play solo you're playing as Jason and you have to do these challenge kills uh, and mm. try to use stealth and not get noticed because if somebody notices they're going to warn the other counselors and suddenly they're aware that you're there killing them so, but I'm not the type of person to go around liking to be the murderer. So, you know, right. I didn't really want to play as Jason. I did try it out, but I was like, yeah, this is a little demented and I'm not, I'm not demented enough. I can't even play a game where you have moral choices without making the good guy choice. So, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm a goody goody. <laughs> but yeah, definitely I, the newer I, games I better. do that with, uh, what, what is it? It's, um, fall, fallout. Some of those have. Uh, where you can play as a bad character if you want, and I mm-hmm. and and then and then um, a fable was an mm. I think I think it was fable. Yeah, fable uh, had anyway. consequences. Yeah, you could become grow up as a bad guy, and I was like, no, I always played good guy. Yeah, the only time I played bad guy was in World of Warcraft, and it was because I had a buddy that was on the horde side. Yeah, and uh, and I played with him. So, but the, the the horde actually has some cool characters. I mean, I like to play as a high elf. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was always <laughs> the undead guy because my buddy was undead and that was my first experience. And so, yeah, I was addicted <laughs> for a while. But it's but, one of the uh, things that Warcraft and Moody kind of showed the Horde just have a different perspective of things and they just that's right. not getting along properly. And that's all. They're yeah. not really that that bad. They no, just, they're not yeah. evil. They just have a different existence and they're right. just opposed to the to the other side. So, yeah. But if there's usually a good moral choice, like if I ni- play Knights of the Republic, I'm going full Jedi. Uh, playing uh, Bioshock, I'm always saving every little sister. Yep. Which yep. Bioshock almost made this list because, boy, is that uh, got some environmental scariness. I love yeah. that game. Uh, I almost put it on list, but it's not technically survival horror. It's just thematic. <laughs> right. Right. One, the other one that's I'm having, you know, I haven't finished it yet, but Red Dead Redemption 2. You're a bad guy in the game, but it does because you're a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. So right. I'm, I'm trying to be as good as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't shoot unless somebody shoots first. You know, I never there shot first, but I drew first blood or whatever. Oh, yeah, I never drew first, but I drew first blood. I'm no one son. They call me young gun. OK. Hello, Bon Jovi go. fans. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So. I guess we can move on to the next game on, on the list. And this one, yes. I would not have considered a horror game because when I remember playing this on the PC, it wasn't that scary. But then when I played it on the PlayStation and I got in some deeper levels, there's some darkness and there's monsters and everything's from hell on Mars. We're talking about right. the original Doom. Yes. The first time I played it, 
was on a computer at a Sam's club <laughs> and I was absolutely blown away. The graphics, the, the detail, everything about it blew my mind. I'm like, it's never going to get any better than this. This <laughs> is amazing. And my mom saw me play and I got in trouble. Uh... And that, the next time I was able to play was at a future girlfriend's house on their computer and I fell in love with doom and I got my own computer and I was able to play and I got into modding and making maps and uh, editing skins and all kinds of stuff. And it was so great. And I never understood why it was scary, but my mom's perspective was there's devils and demons in it. And I'm like, yeah, but we're shooting them. Yes. We're not helping them take over the planet. Yeah. Know, that would be a bad game. We're fighting but, back. Yeah. You have weapons. Kind of like something I should have probably put on the list. Diablo. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Diablo was creepy, scary and everything. And yeah, man. And that's one of the things I love about it is like you've got all this evil devil stuff. But yeah, I'm the one killing them. and I'm fighting back against the devil. Literally. In Diablo, you're kind of literally fighting the devil. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and Doom was great because you had all these monsters and things. And then. And I remember that's when I got when I first bought my PlayStation, that was one of, uh, I think, three games I bought. I started out with we're going to mention we're coming up on Resident Evil, Resident Evil, uh, Dark Forces, Star Wars. And I bought it because right. Star Wars. And then, of course, they had a, I think they called the collection Ultimate Doom, where it had Doom mm -hmm. 1, 2, and then it had like an Ultimate Doom or whatever. It, it was just it was everything. It was like bonus levels and extra levels added to Doom 1 and 2. Yeah, so, Doom was my jam. Yes. And, uh, it was my introduction to PC gaming. and. First time I ever played multiplayer, but that was against one guy because we figured out how to call each other's computers, you mm. know, and it was a big pain in the rear to to set up. But yeah. it was so much fun. It was great. Yeah, that was about as much uh, challenge as it is to uh, they, you could actually get a cable to hook two PlayStations together. Oh, but, wow. but then you have to have two TVs and you all have to be in the same room. You couldn't do it over uh, the Internet. But we yeah. actually did that one time, and I th I think we played some Doom like that. We also played Command and Conquer like that. But yeah, uh, I think if I'd have been a PC gamer, I would have been a lot easier. <laughs> it, it was. I went to a few to a few LAN parties in my day, and uh, it, it was still a pain in the rear to to take your whole rig and set it up somewhere else and, <laughs> yeah. and connect. But that's what we did back before servers and, you know, and just the way it is now. Multiplayer, you had to work for it. Yeah. And before you could have, actually have a laptop that could run Doom you know, at the time. Oh, true. Yeah. No, laptops <laughs> do, were not for gaming back then yeah. at all. They were they were for document processing and they weighed 500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They were not great. But Doom, Doom uh, had had still I still will boot up Doom once in a while and it still jump scares me because you're 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 concentrating. You're trying to get that armor. You're trying to get that yellow key or whatever. And then all of a sudden and yep. a freaking shotgun guy behind you and uh, yep. scares you to death, makes you do a 180 and blow them away. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was, uh, you know, if we're counting Doom as as a survival horror. And it was definitely my first survival horror game, followed by uh, a brief bout with Resident Evil at a friend's house. Yeah, because so. it was before they actually coined the term survival horror, because Resident Evil is the, the granddaddy, I guess, of it. Although yeah. Resident Evil got some inspiration from some other games, which we'll definitely have to get into that one. I think you bring it up later. But yeah, because uh, Doom and Doom 2 was pretty scary. And Doom 2 had even more evil imagery in there because you actually had to go into the bowels of hell. 
yeah, uh, to deal yeah. with things. And, you know, I just realized, did I even write Doom 3 on the list? No, I guess Doom, I tried to put these in order that the game came out when I was making my right. list. So right. Doom 3 is later, but heck, I can, yeah, we can talk about Doom 3 later. Because actually, despite, you know, a lot of people didn't think Doom 3 was that great because it slowed everything down. I liked it because it added a lot more story. And yeah, it was a different game. It, it was, was a, a different game. different game. So I actually tried to play like the I don't know if you call it a remake of Doom where they put it out. And I got so used to Doom three and I'm so used to playing stuff like Bioshock where there's good story and there's suspense. And this new Doom is just on nonstop action that I was like, well, this is kind of cool, but I don't know. It's just not I don't feel the story in it. So I need to sit down on it and just go ahead and play it. But I haven't really played the new Doom or Doom it's, a re- it's a return to the to the original just run and gun i mean it's it's not a a survival horror is run and gun and you either love it or hate it and i get in a mood once in a while where i i I just want to use my weapons a whole bunch (laughs) and and survive as long as i can and yeah i played doom doom eternal and and then doom um that was released before that and yeah it's it's lacking in story but it's on purpose you know it's 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 more of a strategy and a run and gun like i said yeah So I think if I if I come at it from the right way, uh, I think I, I definitely I could have a lot more fun at it. But I was kind of surprised by it when I first you know kind of played it. I played a demo of it, and I think uh, I used to have the PlayStation streaming service, and I played part of it on there. But I was like, this is pretty cool and everything. But I don't know. I I feel like I want story. Yeah. But yeah, I think I yeah, I sit down more time. Story. Yeah, yeah. You play it for just I'm gonna blow some 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 demons up or something. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a puzzler. I mean, there's some puzzles in there. There's some. Uh, uh, platforming in there, um, which I actually hate the platforming parts. I yeah. just want to run around on a map and and shoot people. Doom, the like you said, the remake I didn't like because it was arena based combat, uh, and 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 really an over focus on it. I want to go through a map, and that's yeah. what the original Doom was. Is it wasn't an arena, you know, a one room with with a bunch of levels that you jumped around. It was a maze, you know, mm-hmm. and you went through it and you found keys and you and that's what Doom Eternal has really gone back to. Nice. And they've added a bunch of it, a bunch of stuff to it too. But but, but again, it's it's not I I struggle calling it survival horror because even though there's demons and bad guys and stuff, is it scary? No. Yeah. I'm not scared when I play Doom Eternal. Yeah. Not like um, old Doom was actually kind of scary. <laughs> right, right. Cause because it would get quiet. Yeah. You know? And and, and that rock and music. You, were, you were fine. And and then you know, <laughs> right. here comes here comes an imp with a fireball on your backside. Yeah. So and if you take a good shotgun blast, it might knock your armor down to nearly nothing real yeah. quick. So, yeah. Which actually happened war- a couple we, we actually played in Scareplay uh last weekend. Uh, you can actually go in there and find me and uh, and Lost Boy Philip actually going and playing some Doom. Although I goofed up the sound and actually shut off our microphones halfway through. Oh no! <laughs> but you can see us playing it. And Philip is not really used to this. He plays wrestling games, you know. And he doesn't play a whole lot of games other than that. So mm. he wasn't used to the whole aspect. But we actually you can play the old school, old style Doom and Doom Two on your PlayStation. I don't know if uh, I figure Xbox has probably got it as well. I don't know. Are you playing on? What are you playing on these days? I play PC co- completely. I I have an Xbox 360 and a PS2 or a PS3 or whatever the the next to the latest is. I I kind of quit after that. I'm just totally into my gaming on PC now. Yeah. Well, next so. to the latest would be a PS4, like what I have, because the PS5 yeah. came out and nobody can afford that right now. Yeah, I don't have a PS5 now, <laughs> and yeah. I I, I have a, a Wii U. I don't have a Switch. You know. 
So I, I kind of, like I said, everything's in on uh, PC now for me. Yeah. And I have a few games on the PC because there's some games like on Steam you can get Borderlands. And, yeah. Uh, I haven't ever finished that because I've had more fun playing Borderlands 2 with a group of people. That's a lot of fun. Uh, huh. but, but the group of people I was playing with, or, or they played like really late night. And since I was working morning radio at the time, you know, I was in bed by seven. And right. I, I got to where my body was used to it. So at seven o'clock, my brain would shut down. So I'd have a hard time staying up late to play with everybody. So. But, you know, I'm about to start a different job. I could probably stay up till, of course, I can only stay up probably till 930 because, uh, you know, I'll be getting up at 530. But, you know, I could probably stay up later and actually maybe play some online games. And, you know, I need okay. to find some people who play on Steam. And yeah, and then I can play games with people because I'm going to play Borderlands with somebody, play Borderlands 2 with somebody. Uh, I think I got some other ones like I got to, they remastered Command and Conquer. And I'm like, that would be more fun if I could play versus somebody. But all I can do is play against the computer. I'm like, that's fun, but I want to play against somebody. So there you go. I don't know if I've added you on Steam, but I might do it because you know, I want to play something with you, too. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, uh, I could go off on a tangent here chasing that rabbit. Uh, but all right. So let's dive into uh, I guess we've already kind of talked about uh, Doom 2. And you mentioned, yeah, playing in God mode the way it was meant to be played. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> that, that was you could just blow everything away. and You weren't afraid of nothing. But that, of course, that took away the fear factor because like <laughs> you can't kill me. <laughs> I'm yeah, I just. I just liked not dying and just owning <laughs> everything. I was, I loved the, the, the pixel animation and I'm still a pixel mm. artist to this day because yep. of doom and doom too. Um, but I, I just loved seeing what the game was supposed to be without having to worry about dying every five seconds. And I loved the secrets, you know, and seeing John Carmack's head on a pike, you know, behind <laughs> the, the main bad guy. And yeah, you know, it was, it was good. It was good stuff. Oh yeah. As a huge Doom guy and Doom Two and Quake and Quake Two and Quake Three and you know all the all those. Yeah, I never really played favorite. much Quake because I wasn't a PC gamer, so I kind of missed out on that one. Yeah, but good. I do have. Uh, I haven't played with it much, but uh, one other thing you can get on your both PlayStation and probably Xbox, at least PlayStation Four, is the Doom sixty four that they made a very exclusive game to for the Nintendo sixty four. It was uh -huh. it was Doom, but it was it was completely different maps and it was like a completely new game. Yeah. So that yeah. was awesome. So I do have that on my PlayStation so I can go through and eventually I'm going to play through that as well. So Yeah, they sell that on Steam too. I've I've never messed really? with it though. Nice. Yeah. You see, I didn't know this stuff was on Steam because yeah, when I go through stuff, certain games I want to play on a PC because the the thing about Borderlands is it the, being able to aim with a mouse makes it a lot right. easier for me on Borderlands because yes. I've, I've tried to play it on the streaming services on the PlayStation and I can't seem to aim quick enough on Borderlands, no, but it's Slows you down. Yeah. But there are certain games that I do aim very well on a, with a hand, console controller. But yeah, Borderlands, I feel better with a, with a mouse. Yeah. Definitely. I'm a mouse and keyboard guy. Yeah. I just, you know, I just wear my finger out try, trying to move around on a keyboard a lot, though. My middle finger gets tired of, you know, holding down buttons and keys and uh, I don't know. Carpal tunnel. Maybe maybe because it's my left hand and my right hand was the one that used to play trumpet. The left hand never has to do that much. And so I tax my left hand on that keyboard and I just can't do it. It just hurts after mm. a while. I get sore mm. and, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, just get good. That's that's my <laughs> advice. Isn't that what they always tell you? Get good. <laughs> yeah, so. I hate it, too. So <laughs> I, I want to rub it into you, too. Oh, yes. All right, but now we got to jump into to my wheelhouse here. So I yeah. got a, I got a story behind this one. And this is, see, see us good Christian people, how we go bad. So this was actually <laughs> at a Baptist Student Union event when I was going to community college. Uh, our, our leader was a youth pastor at... Um, a church, 
actually not far from where I'm at now. What is the name of that church? I can't remember. But he thought it would be fun if we have, you know, it wasn't a full on lock in, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I bet you did a few. Oh, gosh. Yes. So we were we were going to stay up late, but we weren't staying the entire night uh, at this church. But he decided to bring a PlayStation and he rented a bunch of games. And one of them was Resident Evil. Yeah. I, and I showed up kind of early and I was like, well, you know, you, you know, so I was kind of looking around the church like, oh, yeah, I've never been here before and found the PlayStation. And so I got an early start at it and I thought, well, I've heard of this game Resident Evil. I wonder what this is all about. And this is before I owned a PlayStation myself. And, you know, what's funny is you suddenly got a bunch of college people. We're all kind of gathered and we're all none of us are surviving very long at this. But we're all mm-hmm. intrigued because, like, what's going on with this house? There's, like, zombies in it. And I remember when we got into there's one particular hallway, and it's become very famous, where the, the zombie dogs burst through the glass of the windows. Right. You want to oh. see a bunch of, you know, 18 to 20-year-olds jumping out of their pants. Yes. <laughs> oh, my yes. goodness. That game scared us, the dickens out of us. And what was funny, uh, did you ever play what we call Romans and Christians? Um, now they call it, uh, uh, uh underground church is yeah. what my kids <laughs> call it now. But yeah, basically. Yes. So, so basically you got two people who are Romans, two or three, however many people you got with flashlights and everybody else is an underground church and you got to hide somewhere and hopefully the Romans don't come and get you cause then they'll lock you up. Yeah. So of course to make it fun, you got to turn all the lights out. So yeah. now imagine you've been playing Resident Evil in an unfamiliar building where horrible monsters are out to get you and you've got that tension already in your brain. Now you're going to be in a church building that you're not that familiar with. that has a lot of long hallways with all these doors going to all these classrooms for Sunday school and all this stuff. And it's in the dark. And so you can't see and you're looking for somewhere to hide or even playing as a Roman because you don't know where you are. And the only thing you can see is your flashlight. But, you know, right. somebody's out there. It messes with your head a little bit. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it because when <laughs> I was a kid, my mom told me that the, after all the people leave the church, the demons come in <laughs> right. and I'm stinking 48 years old and I still can't stand being in a dark church because the demons come because my mom put that in my head when I was like seven years old for some reason. I don't know why she believed that, but she sure enough did. There's a lot of demons in my childhood growing up and uh, I believed in them, I think, more than God because I was so scared of demons. And uh, yeah, I have friends, church friends, pastor friends that that try to scare me in dark churches because they know about that i have this one weakness yeah i I believe the demons come for some reason the the christians keep them out when they're there but when the church is empty spooky time and i have been in some churches that i used to attend there's one up in uh gashland baptist church that it has kind of a big sanctuary and there'd be times um we've got all the lights turned out and there's not a lot of windows in the sanctuary so it kind of gets dark in there Mm. and because it's so quiet and you're used to being in there and hearing people talking laughing or music and we're singing that when it's still and it's quiet in there it's a little eerie yeah i think the secret is any place like a library hospital any place that usually has a lot of people that suddenly doesn't is freaky yeah you know and uh but my mom just took it to the next level for me and (laughs) and turned it into a horror series like every empty church now has the devils in them so yeah but now that I think about it, according to the rules, if I'm there and I'm a Christian, then technically the demons shouldn't be coming in. But maybe I'm not Christian enough or maybe they can just slip in if there's just one guy in there. Yeah. They're like, eh, no big deal. Let's go ahead and start filling up the building because they're waiting outside in line. It doesn't make sense, but it made sense to me as a child 
And it's still in there somewhere yeah. in my head. Somewhere they're going, it's James Kennison. Get him. Yeah, get him. He's afraid of us. <laughs> Thanks to his Christian mom. But no, Resident Evil, I actually ran into it for the first time uh, at a friend's house who had a PlayStation. I didn't have a console. I was in the poor section of my life, you know, between high school and when you finally establish yourself financially, you're just broke, you know? And so I didn't have any, any PCs. I didn't have any games. I didn't have nothing, but he did. And we got to play it. And that same hallway you're talking about has um, a, a puddle of blood in it. And I remember distinctly, I was always the one that wanted to make people laugh. So uh, and, and it was a fixed perspective, pre-rendered background right. that you ran around on. And, uh, I, I would put my character in the blood and I would just spin around and I'd, I, I sang a little song, dancing in the blood, <laughs> dancing in the blood, dancing in the blood. And that's pretty much the whole song. Yeah. But, uh, it, it made people laugh and I still remember it <laughs> and, uh, dancing in the blood. Yeah, I think the room you're thinking of is, uh, the, the dining room because there's that pull of blood where like, oh, I hope this isn't Chris's blood. Because <laughs> the hallway with the dogs, I don't recall there being blood on the floor. I don't know. It was a hallway, though. It was a hallway of some kind. But I remember that dog <laughs> thing came through. Yes. Boy, yeah, it was so scary. It really scared me. And because I wasn't, I was raised with no movies, <laughs> and so um, as soon as I moved out of the house, I I made up for it by watching every bad movie that, that was ever made. <laughs> um, and and when I say bad movie, I I watched Back to the Future. And, uh, you know, all this stuff, but, um, I, yeah, I definitely scarred myself, but it, when it, before I, this was before that, and I had never seen a horror game before, um, you know, and, and, and it, it freaked me out. The only other game that I played that was even close to this, as far as spooky factor was alone in the dark. And I know we're going to talk about that a little mm -hmm. bit later, but, uh, alone in the dark was a classic PC game mm -hmm. back in the day. And probably the first survival horror game i ever played on the pc yeah. but, and technically anyway. it is really the first i mean resident evil is the one where they coined the term survival horror but resident evil borrowed from alone in the dark and okay. a, a japanese game called sweet home that was based off of a japanese movie uh, ah. it's actually an rpg you can't play this in the states i mean not legally i don't think uh, and right. uh, but you can go online and you can find people have tried to translate it because for a uh, for an nes type of game apparently it's super scary because you have consequences, your your party, you know, like if you play Final Fantasy, some of your someone in your party gets taken out in a, in a fight, you just revive them, no problem. And this, right. somebody in your party gets killed, they're dead. Wow! And you may lose whatever items they were carrying, and so there was consequences, and you didn't, you know, there wasn't a scheduled time like Aerith dying in Final Fantasy VII that this is when it's supposed to happen. Sorry, spoiler warning. Uh, there's there's no rhyme to it. It's just they died fighting off a monster. They're dead. Mm. You messed up. So that's wow. That's intense. So, but yes, that apparently because of the the setting of that inspired Resident Evil setting. And then Alone in the Dark, the way the game mechanics worked was pretty much what they did for Resident Evil yeah, after they realized same. the first person perspective wasn't working because apparently they tried to do first person, but it wasn't scary huh. that way. Wow. Yeah, because Resident Evil had, I mean, uh, had the pre-rendered backgrounds just like Alone in the Dark. Yep. And uh, the camera angle would shift based on, uh, and, and it would be difficult if you were in a fight with a bad guy because uh, in, in Alone in the Dark, all you had was a sword. And uh, that camera would move on you and suddenly you and the bad guy would be in two different places on the screen. And uh, it was it was it was difficult. Oof. But 
Um, that's that's one thing I like about Resident Evil Seven so much is they went to FPS. Yes, first person, so. we'll, we'll definitely get to that one later too. Yeah, but, uh, the fun thing with like Resident Evil, as I mentioned before, that's one of the first three games I purchased when I got my PlayStation, when I got my Sears credit card and learned what debt was. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I struggled with it because it's difficult when you kind of don't know where to go. But finally, when I got to that first save room, I was like. I have a spot I've saved somewhere and I have yeah. somewhere to store items that changed everything. And then finally, at one point I kind of figured out where I was going. I figured out how to get out of the mansion one summer's day. I figured out how to, you know, you, you go through these, you got these three medals or whatever you put in there and you open it up and then you get, Oh my gosh, I'm outside the mansion. And I thought I've escaped. I've won. No, sir. No. Welcome to the guardhouse. <laughs> and even after the guardhouse, you come back into the mansion and suddenly you got these hunters, killer things in there. And then you go underground and a lab and oh my goodness, it got so, but I ended up like all in one day after I finally figured out how to get outside the mansion, I was just sucked in and I just kept going and I got to where I just, you know, just for fun, I would just play through it again. Cause you could, you could finish it in four hours. In fact, uh, my friend Josh, actually, he bought it for the PC later on. I mean, we, by then we'd had resident evil two was out and everything, but he bought the original resident evil, uh, the opening on a PC because in Japan was different on hmm. the on the PlayStation. They didn't want to you see when they're introducing characters, Chris Redfield smoking. So they'd cut out his face and put an image of Chris Redfield firing a gun. Plus, huh. they cut out in the opening cinematic in there. They cut away from all the gore and the PC put it all back in. And that oh, that opening is nasty. I mean, because when you see the guy who's been eaten by a dog, you get to see it a lot more. It's horrible. And then when somebody finds the body and they, they, you, in the PlayStation, you see them kind of grab and they pull up part of a hand with a gun and then it cuts off. But in the PC, in the full Japanese version, they pull and they lift that whole severed arm off. I'm like, ah! you know, so it was horrible. <laughs> but uh, Josh had just gotten it and came over. He wanted to show it to me. He says, like, you've played this before. And I sat there and I, you know, I just couldn't stop myself. I just knew what to do. Boom, finished it. And I think four hours or less. And Josh is like, well, I, I don't need to play it. I saw the whole thing now. So, but right. that's, that's when Josh realized that I was big into Resident Evil. And so he actually surprised me later. I didn't even know Resident Evil 3 was coming and he got it for me for Christmas. And I was like, whoa, because oh. he knew I was into that sort of thing. That's awesome. So, but I did learn something since then. Because um, when you finish the game, you get like a photograph of your character. And uh, when you watch the opening cinematic, you have this girl who's Jill Valentine and she's got long hair. Now, Jill, ever since then, has been shown him with short hair because I guess she's supposed to have had short hair tucked into her hat. But really, the actress that they got had very beautiful, long, dark hair. She was a pretty girl. But they had a picture of her at the end and just kind of relaxing and everything. So but I was wondering, it's like, well, whatever happened to her? Because she was very pretty. Was she a model? Who was she? But I started trying to look up who these people were who played uh, the characters and stuff and that. Like, did they do anything else? Some of them have done some voices for games, uh, you know. But this girl apparently had a horrible time and she never did any other game stuff because of this. There was a night shoot when they were filming all this and the mosquitoes out there were really bad because they were they were filming it in Japan. But there was, I guess, a lake nearby. So the mosquitoes mm. were everywhere and she just got bit silly. And so she did not have a good time. So the sour look that you have, as you see on her face, apparently was very legit because she was not happy. And so wow. she never did a video game shoot after that at all. <laughs> so and I, well, she I just disappeared. I just found out that mosquitoes are an international problem. Oh, That's yeah. Crazy. Okay. Well, didn't you learn that in uh, Lilo and Stitch? I mean, come on, you know, they're <laughs> yeah, that's they're a problem. True. They're, we're missing so many mosquitoes. We they're rare. We got to let them feed on us <laughs> oh, until okay. you have been chosen. So, OK, <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. But anyways, <laughs> so, you know, as, stemming off from that, I remember when uh, the PlayStation, they got the analog uh, controllers 
And so mm-hmm. Resident Evil Director's Cut was announced. And I was excited because, and I got it because, oh, cool, analog control, that might be interesting. But also they were going to include a demo of Resident Evil 2. And so I traded in my copy of Resident Evil because I figured, oh, well, it's going to be the same game. But the director's cut was going to have different angles and, and new items and, you know, all these new things. What I did not realize, they messed up the music and they put in and, and people have made fun of this one basement level where it just sounds like some kid got bored and was randomly hitting groups of keys on the keyboard. Mm. It's golly, golly awful. Uh, but the music was absolutely horrendous to where it was almost that made it unplayable. And I went through and played it because the arranged version was fun. And uh, but I was mainly, you know, playing that Resident Evil 2 demo just in in anticipation for Resident Evil 2, which was fun because originally they had a completely different game for Resident Evil 2 and they scrapped it and started over to give us the one that we're familiar with now. And one of the things that was fun about it is Allison Court was the voice of Claire Redfield, which I had been recognizing as the voice of Jubilee on the X-Men animated series. That was pretty awesome. Huh. That's cool. Well, I, I happened to look up some information on the guy that made the music for the basement level. And it turns out that he made the music level at night near a lake in Japan. And he was being bit by mosquitoes the entire time. So he was actually just swatting at the keyboard uh, trying to smash bugs. So that's what really happened uh, there. See, that, that explains it all. <laughs> so but the fun part is this is uh, where we first get introduced to Leon Kennedy, who's become a series staple. And also, of course, we mentioned Claire Redfield. And the fun thing is you had two different discs. Did you ever play Resident Evil 2? No, no. I didn't. But but it's available on PC. They remade it. And I've and there it's on remake, sale yes. right now, actually. The remake's I, pretty good. You should you should yeah, get it. Yeah, I, I probably should. It's it's kind of a completely different game, but it's it's pretty awesome. But the original game had a two different discs, one for each character. And oh. after you played through with one character on one disc, you'd put in the other disc to play the other character. And there would be like even different story. Huh. And I, I get, apparently the canon version is to play it's Claire's disc first because you'd have an extra mission with this uh, Sherry Burke and this little girl who gets infected. And I guess the story doesn't play out the same way unless you play as Claire first. So apparently well, the sure canon version of that was Claire first. They sure don't do stuff like that anymore. You know? It, not without charging you extra or right. some sort of download fee. That is, it's just, it's sad, but that that's amazing. Yeah. That it turned to that turned a four hour game into an eight hour game. Yeah. Although the second time through you were solving a lot of the same puzzles and a lot of the items were still in the same place, but still though, you get yeah. to feel good. You get to feel smart and, and that's <laughs> always a good thing. And they did some clever things. Like you'd have a, a certain locker that uh, maybe a certain gun or something would be in this locker. And you say, Hmm, should I take this or maybe I could leave it for Claire? Oh, and so you'd have those wow. lockers you could leave. And then when you play the second time, oh, look, oh. I, you know, Leon left this pack for me. That's amazing. That was clever. So you had to plan it out a little bit. What was neat is the second time you play through, no matter who you are, you had a, uh, I think that now we just call him Mr. X because he was never given a name, but he was basically a tyrant from the first game, uh, like mm-hmm. the final boss, except for he was the fully developed that Umbrella had made. And he would show up and stalk you around, although it was he had pre-programmed times to show up in Resident Evil 2. So whoever you and I think that's what got in the way of some of the Sherry infection storyline. But he was out to kill stars members. And he would say Mm. that, of course, more than that was Nemesis in Resident Evil 3 was more famous, I think, for stars. Uh, I think the uh, the thing was sent in RE2 was basically just trying to get rid of any witnesses. But in, mm. in the nemesis, the, the, the idea of that thing was so scary because that thing would just burst through a wall and show up kind of like Jack Baker in Resident Evil seven. 
that it was so popular that when by the time we got to Resident Evil 3, they thought we need to make that go through the entire game. And so they came up with Nemesis. And wow. Nemesis would have he had story times that he would show up. But once he showed up, you had a choice to fight him or run away. If you fight him and you win, you knock him down, you would get like a bonus item. Or you could just run away with it and save a lot of ammo because he was hard to take down. So the the weird thing is when they, they when they remade Resident Evil 2, they perfected the Mr. X system where mm-hmm. he could show up and they gave him an AI to wander around the place. So you never knew when you might see him. Now, there were some story times that he would make him show up, right. but he could stalk you around the place. And so it made it very nerve wracking, kind of similar to, you know, game about certain aliens we're going to talk about. You could hear him moving around when you got close to where he was at. You would hear this thump. Thump, thump, and you would just turn around and say, "I'm not going in that room," <laughs> you know. But it all oh, it made it so much more intense. So the Resident Evil Two remake, which I don't know if I put it on the list to talk about it uh, later, but that that just amped it up. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't played that one, that's that's be the way I recommend playing it. Now, I've seen all the movies. Oh, does that count? <laughs> those movies were terrible. Now this newer movie coming out, I only watched the first movie and it was gross and I kind of like, Ugh. but I was like, they didn't. They didn't keep anything to any of the characters that we knew or anything uh, except for the second movie. And I tried to watch the second movie because I was like, well, you know, I guess some character that we know is going to show up in this one. Right. But it still wasn't. It, they just they didn't capture the real feel of Resident Evil. So, I mean, some people who never played the games, I guess, enjoyed the movies enough mm. to where they made however many of them. Yeah, but a lot of them. Finally, we're going to get the one Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City coming out here in November that actually decided, hey, you know what? There's fans of the games. Let's play. Some, let's make a movie that the fans of the games will actually enjoy. And from every, from the the trailer I've seen. Now, granted, I usually don't go to these kind of movies we've talked about. I don't go to horror gross movies, but I kind of want to go just mm-hmm. because, you know, getting to look at the mansion and some of the stuff they've done. I'm like, this is looks like the game. So <laughs> I might end up going to see that one. <laughs> I'll just I'll just try not to throw up when they do something gross, you know. Yeah. So, but the 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 thing is when they remade Resident Evil 3, after Mr. X, everybody had big expectations for the Nemesis, but Nemesis on that one works on a script. He shows up at certain times. Mm. So, but I think people really wanted him to be stalking them throughout the game like Mr. X does in the remake of Resident Evil 2. So, uh kind of disappointing. I haven't played the the Resident Evil 3 remake because when I I was looking in on it. People were saying, well, there's no puzzles in it. It's just straight more action. It's, and it's okay, but it's, they, people like the original PlayStation version better, which Nemesis actually was not my favorite. It is a favorite to a lot of people because they like the concept of Nemesis, but I felt a lot of it, I was, I, especially you even revisit the police station from Resident Evil 2. I felt like I was playing Resident Evil 2 Extended and didn't feel like its own independent game. And I guess the reason behind that. What became Resident Evil Code Veronica, that initially they had thought to make that Resident Evil 3, and they were going to make a side game. It's like, well, what happened to Jill during this time? We were kind of curious, you know, because we got Claire looking for her brother Chris, but what's Jill doing during this? And so they started working on that game as a side project, but then at some point somebody looked at it and says, no, the Jill game is now Resident Evil 3. We're going to make this, what became Hmm. Code Veronica, that's going to be a side game instead of Resident Evil 3. Wow. So yeah, it kind of changed path a little bit, which... It's very interesting how that happened. But yeah, that's why to me, Resident Evil 3 doesn't feel like a standalone game. It feels like a continuation and it does feel like a side game instead of a main game. Although Code Veronica, I still have not completed and I'm actually trying to complete it on the scare play right now because I always get stuck in the same place and maybe I'll get past where I get stuck. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Did you, so you probably haven't played any Resident Evil since the first one, though, I guess, have you? 
Um, I've played uh seven. Okay, so when we get to and seven, I'm you'll be able to dive in. I'm almost done with it, but I it's been I put it down for like six months because oh, wow. I thought I I thought I beat it and I wasn't done yet because there was the boat. Oh, yeah. boat. Yeah, so. you, <laughs> you've got quite a quite an adventure and you're going to start learning what's actually going on when you get on that uh, boat. <laughs> I got to be careful not to spoil anything for you when we get to yeah, that later. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that game's intense. But yeah, we'll talk about that one. But the next thing I have on my list, Silent Hill. Now, I remember a game, a game I've never played. Never played. I wished I had. I think, oh. well, if you, if you have a PS3, you can uh, purchase pretty cheaply old PS1 games, and I believe Silent Hill is available. Okay. Now, if you've got a good sound system, I, well, I kind of recommend it, and I also kind of don't. Because this game was designed to mess with you, the player. Uh. Not the character in the game, you. Huh. Uh, and I remember playing the demo thing. wow, this is really cool, and it's it was similar to Resident Evil on the control, except for they actually had, you know moving backgrounds you're you moving around but this game like to throw sounds around and if wow. you have a good enough uh and especially now if you had like a you know a full surround sound setup with four speakers i'm sure it would really do it worse but i remember you know i would play it on my tv at home and it wasn't you know oh man that's pretty scary but i went over to my friend's house and he had a good size tv and it had a good speaker system where uh you know you have speakers that are capable of throwing sounds behind you this game threw sounds behind us and we were looking around like, cause we were playing it in the dark down in the basement and we're looking behind us. Oh, what was that? And you'll hear stuff like at one point you hear this baby crying and you notice where, why is the baby crying? Where's that at? What's going on? Yeah. But it messed with us and it made it super scary. And it's also, it's really mysterious cause it's, the story is a little confusing on what's going on. And if you don't, you know, hit every little bit, you might not get the full story. You might not even get a good ending if you don't, you know, go to certain things or find certain items to help you kind of piece together what's going on in this town. But oh my goodness, was that that game was whoo that that messed with me. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard I've heard nothing but amazing stuff, you know. Yes. It's a freaky mind bending kind of game. Oh, yes. And they haven't quite gotten quite the feel of that one. Now, a lot of people's favorite Silent Hill game is Silent Hill 2, which uh, when I was streaming things, on, I, I need to bring my streaming service back on my PS4. Uh, but I was able to play where they'd collected Silent Hill 2 and 3. I guess they'd, they'd remade them for and, and adapted over the PS3, which from what are so you can play it on a PS4 and a streaming. But on that version, apparently they'd lost the original code of Silent Hill 2. And so they had to kind of rebuild it from what I've heard. And some people say it's not quite as good as the old PS2 version. Mm. So I but I don't know. But that's the version I played. And I thought it was good. But what's weird is like Silent Hill gives you a reason that the town is messed up like this. And then Silent Hill 2 does not play into that original story at all. It's it's a whole different story, and I you it doesn't seem to play into what's actually going on in the town. It's this whole different reason for things going on in the town, and it has to do with uh, your main character trying to punish himself for something, which I'm not going to get into because I don't want to spoil because I don't you know you should play it. It is it is a good game, but this is also the one that gave us the character Pyramid Head. Okay, which terrified yeah, a lot him. of people. Yes, he's big yeah. giant guy with a huge butcher knife and a weird pyramid thing for a head. So that, that he became an iconic character in Silent Hill ever since that one. And I haven't played Silent Hill 3 yet, but I've heard that that does pick up from the original story beats given in the first Silent Hill. And you're playing as the the daughter of the main character in the first game, which, like I said, I haven't played that one yet, but uh, I'll have to do it sometime. All right, but let's move on to something. Well, OK, well, I've already 
we've already kind of mentioned uh, Doom 3 that I thought it was a lot scarier. That's probably my favorite in the series, and you you played Quake games at the time. But So we're moving on through there to, oh, you, if you haven't played this one, you've missed out. Resident Evil 4. Hmm. And you didn't play that one, huh? No. No. This started, of all things, as a Nintendo, the nice squeaky clean company. This was a GameCube exclusive for a while. Oh, wow. And it, this yeah, is a- I was a children's pastor at the time, so <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't playing anything like that, I guess, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this is the first time in Resident Evil. We got we got an over-the-shoulder view. For, we're playing as Leon, and we actually got to move around through an environment. And this is the first time we weren't fighting with zombies. We had a whole other different kind of enemy that they, was, they were intelligent. They could set traps. Uh, they'd have bear traps set up. They'd have uh, dynamite set on tripwires. They were smart and they could talk. And if you knew Spanish, I guess you'd understand some stuff because you're in Spain uh, trying to rescue the president's daughter. And you, Leon is now a special agent and has no idea the horror he's walking into. But who better? Because he's already been through a zombie apocalypse in a town. Uh, he can deal with some nasty monsters. He knows what he's doing now. But he's right. you know not expecting. He's figured, OK, some people kidnapped the president's daughter. All right. We're going to have to go and just infiltrate this and. It even starts out with a little nod to Evil Dead of going into this one cabin in the woods mm. at the beginning. But then after that, you wander into a village and it's the first time that you're not backtracking a whole lot going back and forth through stuff like because you're in one location. You actually are continuing forward into the next area. And it, it, it it's creepy and scary, but it relied a little bit more on action. Which, unfortunately, because Resident Evil 4 was one of the biggest sellers they'd had, they thought action is what everybody wanted. And they went kind of off the rails a little bit. Now, what's funny, at one point, you kind of go into this this big manor castle. And there's these, it's, it's, this relies around a kind of a cult where, where the leader of this cult has been infecting people with this thing called Las Plagas, uh, which they kind of unearth while mining stuff uh, down below where it's like these weird creatures that you could use to infect uh, people with. And you, it's like a parasite and it turns people into nasty things. But you're powerful. But these these monk people are wandering around the castle and they're they're chanting and the music in the background is my wife can't stand the sound of it. It is disturbing. (laughs) And I've even got a they had a CD they put out 10 years of Resident Evil and they had music from all of it. And it had that music bit of the and that played on there when we were listening in the car. And my wife's like, nope, nope, skip it. Nope, can't do it. Yeah. So, but that still might be my favorite game of the Resident Evil series. Although re- the, the remake of Resident Evil Two is a tough contender on that, I gotta say, because whoo, because <laughs> it did go back over the shoulder on that one. But yeah, so RE Five, I remember renting it, playing it, didn't really like it because that they were trying to go more action, mm-hmm. and it's less scary. But it, it does continue off of Resident Evil Four uh, with how the monsters are being made with Las Plagas, and you kind of get into. Uh, turns out there was a plant that was they made the uh, oh progenitor virus that started the entire thing in Resident Evil. This progenitor virus where they made the T virus and the G virus and Las Plagas apparently is related to this as well. Uh, so it was kind of neat how I put it together. Then they have Resident Evil 6. I played a demo, didn't like it. I do own a copy of the game digitally now because I got it as a bundle with 4, 5, and 6. So I am going to play 6 at some point just because I figure I should. But Because uh, right. it does kind of stem up to where we get up to 7 eventually. But before we talk about 7... Because I've been trying to rush through things so we can get to where I know something you've played. Alone in the Dark, although you played the original Alone in the Dark, but I guess you never yeah. played The New Nightmare, which is the first Alone no. in the Dark game I ever played. No, I never did. 
oh my goodness, because this was my first time I got introduced to Edward Carnby. Now, Alone in the Dark, the original one, I guess, was set in like the 30s and had kind of a retro yeah. look. Yeah, it was very pixely and very old school. And yeah, yeah. It, you, uh, I just remember every time you died, you got thrown off a cliff. <laughs> and you were, you were about three pixels falling down into the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, if you died, you'd died kind of horribly by these weird monsters. But uh, this had a really great story once you got into it of some, this island where this Native American tribe had been keeping these dark forces from coming in from another dimension. But you also had these crazy mad people that built the manor house there, this family that they kept, they were brilliant, but they kept trying to find a way to unlock it. And you had this one like shaman who was there trying to keep them from achieving their goals. But it's like, okay, if they open up this portal to this other dimension, I'm going to be the one that keeps everything back. But uh, Edward Carnby shows up and you also get a female character that you can switch and choose which one you play, like Resident Evil 2. And each one has a different path through the manor house and a different story they follow, because each one of them has different goals before they finally come together at the end. But this is another game that messed with you, the player, with jump scares. You'd have you might be walking along and all of a sudden the screen would flash all these monsters up on screen. But then there'd be nothing. But they hear this. You know, but a big loud noise, a lightning flash, something. It would flash things at you. Suddenly something would be there. And then, it, then it, oh, just kidding. And it messed with my head. Now, here's here's the thing, how this one messed with my head. So, you know, that that part of asleep where you're you're not quite asleep, but you're not awake. You're just kind of halfway there and your brain starts looking at things and you can't know what's real anymore. Yeah. Well, OK, my poor wife. This I think we were I mean, we hadn't been even married all that long, I think, when I was playing this. And she had sat with me watching because she was getting into the story of it too. But I'm there lying in bed, and I got that I'm at that halfway point, and some monster from her side of the bed jumped up over and was coming on the bed, and I leaned <laughs> up ready to fight. And I was like, ah! and woke her up, scared her after death, and I was just oh. in there, my heart was racing because I swore this thing was coming over the bed after us. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's the biggest reaction I think a game has ever gotten out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I still own a copy of this game, but I haven't, I haven't really played through the whole thing since. Cause like that game will mess with your head. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they have ratings, man. They, <laughs> blows my mind that people let kids play these things. Sometimes. <laughs> right. Cause it's, if it does that to an adult, imagine what it's doing to the mind of a poor child. Yikes. Oh. Yeah. All right. So next thing on the list, finally, we get, we're getting some stuff that you've gotten to play. So Resident Evil 7. And this is, boy, they reinvented it. And then, you know, like you were saying, going back to first person shooter mode and giving yeah. us new characters, a whole new type of way to have monsters. Right. Uh, oh, my goodness. And did you play the demo of this? No, no. I, I bought it on a Steam sale and I just dove right in head first. Ooh. Into the creepiest family I'd ever visited with. <laughs> Welcome to the Baker House. What's, yeah. what's cool about the demo is it was a separate story. Okay. And you didn't have really a lot of, there. I mean, there are some enemy encounters, but it was a mystery and a riddle and a puzzle, but you have to get everything to work out just right. But you have to put together the mannequin hand and point at areas where it's telling you various murders have happened as you walk through, you know, the, not the main house, but the side house, like the guest house. Mm -hmm. You're just wandering in there and trying to solve some puzzle. Although at one point you kind of see Jack Baker walk by and disappear, but it's a complete, you're playing as a different character. Uh, the only thing that, that carries over into the main game is there's videotape you watch. That is the, uh, uh, the people who make like the 
kind of reality show where they're supposed to be visiting supposedly haunted houses. You get to play through that little videotape at one point. Uh, where this is also the first time I played a Resident Evil that had that many f bombs. Which, oh, if you have your button available, I love your f bomb tone. By the way, oh, oh, hold on, uh, it is right here. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> but uh, so that's the first time they they really had a lot of language in that game. But so you'd you'd play through just the house and had this mysterious story. And the weird thing is, is they snuck stuff in, like, and it doesn't always happen. You might look at a certain thing and there'll be a flash of a ghost girl just poof and gone. So the demo was disturbing. And I said so much to where I still have the demo because it was scary. Mm. And I thought, well, maybe we're actually dealing with something supernatural in the next game. But of course, then you get into the, the game and you realize it's not so much supernatural ghosts. It's uh, somebody who can get in your head. Right. And I don't want to tell you everything, because if you've only gotten up to the boat, you have a you got a flashback adventure to play with Mia. To learn out who Mia really is. Yeah, yeah, I haven't figured that out yet. Now, now uh, what, what choice did you make at the dock? Who did you save, Mia or Chloe? Oh, see, I put it down for a while and I don't remember. Because oh, if you pick one, you get a bad ending. If you pick the other, you get a good ending. Oh, okay. But I uh, won't tell you uh, which. Okay. <laughs> but Ari, oh, RE7 was great because you had that's where you had the, the stalker mechanic where they first realized how the, you know good they can make it. Because Jack Baker is just stalking you all over the place. Yeah. In that first oh, bit. Yeah. And then you got to hide from his wife. Oh, uh, it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's scary. I, and that's why I put it down because I'm on the boat and these fungus monsters keep coming after me and I don't have any guns. Or no ammo. I can't. I can't fight them all, and mm. and uh, I can't figure out how to get past them. I've I've even cheated and and watched playthroughs and all kinds of stuff, and 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 I've used up all my resources, and I'm I think I'm just at an impasse where I can't. Ooh. I can't get through. So. Yeah, that's the mark of survival horror is inventory management. Trying to make sure you have yeah. enough bullets, and can I yeah. sneak through there without having to kill this thing, or? Can I come up with a creative way to kill it? Can I knock it down? You know, some people have gotten good at kneecapping a lot of monsters and knifing them and saving right. bullets. Like an RE4, you could really do that. You could kneecap something and then come up with your knife and slash and finish it off. And I think you can do it in an RE7. But yeah, I mean, you get you get panicked in RE7 when you're playing on a console and you miss a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. And you end up losing bullets. Yeah. Yes. That, they brought yeah. back everything that made Resident Evil scary in that game. Yeah. But then you get some fun, but I guess you haven't gotten to it. I don't know how much you've seen in some playthroughs if you've played through and seen everything. Like no. there's a salt mine that was really a lot of fun because there's usually a point in a Resident Evil game, and I think this it was inspired by Evil Dead 2. When Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, when Ash finally gets his chainsaw arm and his gun and he twirls that gun around, and he's like, That's it. I'm tired of this stuff. I'm fighting back. You have a moment in Resident Evil typically where you got that point where it's like you feel like you've got enough weaponry and it's time to kick some zombie butt. And that you really when you get into the salt mine, that's about the point where you get to that point in Resident Evil 7 where you feel like, OK, it's giving me enough ammo. It's time for me to take this thing down. It's, I'm bringing the fight back to you. You're no longer hunting me. I'm hunting you. So <laughs> but yeah, then you get to the final thing because, you know, there's involves this little girl, little Eve, which yeah. is creepy in itself. But I won't tell you what's there's a very disturbing it. revelation. Because one day I'll make it past the creepy yeah. slime monster. And if you need to start over, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. I know there's a lot to work through, but, you know, but if it gives you a chance to make, you know, because next time through you, you're a little better at the game by now. Granted, you've had a gap. 
Oh, well, you know, we should do this as a stream sometime, <laughs> and I will coach you. I will be. I will have your back, yeah. man. Yeah, I will have your back. We should do this. <laughs> Because I think I've put it down for too long and you I would have be. to it would be like starting over again, like for real. Oh, I will. I will have your back. I've played through that game at least three or four times. I've played some of the DLC. I I do enjoy that one. I haven't played Village yet because I'm I'm waiting until I get a PS5 because I want to experience this the way it was meant to be experienced. Right, right. So I'm waiting on that one. But seven was great. And it, it, you know, it took the concept of the creepy cabin out in the woods and put it a manor in the swamp with a creepy, mm-hmm. scary, weird family. Yeah. Oh, goodness. And when you find out what's going on and what happened. Oh, man. <laughs> that one was good. That was so good. Next, I have on there, The Evil Within. I just yeah. recently played this on the stream, and I tried to play it on normal, but I got to one final, one boss I was trying to kill. I couldn't I couldn't beat it. I had to lower the difficulty level. Yeah, just so it I was finish hard. The game. Mm-hmm. It's complex, too. Is this the one where you, you catch the bad guy? You have to burn them? To keep them from coming back. Oh, that was the remake of Resident Evil, which I should have put on the list because they'll come back as a, oh, what do they call them? Like a crimson zombie if you don't burn them. Uh, but you could, oh, no, uh, with Evil Within, you could burn. But, uh, and I was expecting because the Resident Evil remake, if you didn't burn them, they'd come back, right? Okay. Now, Evil Within, your actual burning could be a weapon. So if you knock something down and it's not dead, you could set it on fire and finish it off. Okay. But they would try to fight back if you'd come over to burn them and they would take a swing at you. Yeah. But yeah. you could do this a quick thing to finish something off if you can burn it, uh, you could finish it. But if you did blow the head off or whatever, or or if you took it down enough, it actually was dead. But I got into a habit of just burning it anyway, just to make sure that it was dead. Right. But right. yeah, you you could. I, that's right. You you'd have a book of matches and you drop a match on it. Yeah. But not it, some things were actually were dead and you just wasted a match. But sometimes they're get they're down, but they're not really dead yet. So you go and drop the match on, it and then they'll they'll kind of kick and scream. Ah! as they burn yeah yeah so, yes that is the one yep i know what you're talking about that's that was one of the most confusing stories though i had to go through and watch a video explaining because there's stuff you know, some notes i guess i didn't read that help explain everything a lot better plus i haven't quite finished the dlc i got stuck uh in a mm. downloadable content where you're playing the story of kidman the the girl okay you, you play uh, like a prequel with her to find out what her perspective was of what's really going on because that game was weird and confusing because you kept warping to different locations. So how, how far did you get? Not very far, <laughs> not very far at all. Cause it, it, it's just like, I kept dying and um, I, I'm like, if this is the way the game is going to be, I, I probably should just downgrade the, the complexity a little bit. Yeah. Lower the difficulty level. Give it another it's, shot. It's worth the experience. Well, heck, I even got stuck uh, at the beginning of the game when you first, and I guess he's got a name of that. People call him the sadist, but he's this big giant guy with a chainsaw. Because when you first, you know, you get into the game and the, you meet Ruvik, the main villain, he knocks you out. And next thing you know, you find yourself hanging upside down. And a guy with the chainsaw is like doing stuff that you can't see to these bodies he's got hanging. And your, your character, you've got to escape or before you're next. Right. And I didn't know. What to do? I because you, know, you you do a lot of stealthing in this game and hiding and, and trying to not get noticed, especially in the first part of the game. You don't have your gun. You've lost your gun because you were captured. And I thought I needed to follow the sadist character through this doorway. And I thought, OK, well, this is the only way I see to go through. And so like three or four times I followed him before I realized that where he was at at this table where he's chopping somebody up. There's a key hanging there on this hook, and you take that key, you yeah. go back where you came from and go through the door, and then, right. it oh my gosh, it intensifies because he chases you around, and yes. he 
cuts a bit of your leg. And so then your character is just stumbling around and you got these big giant blades coming from the sides, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. You, you at least got through that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that was intense. And you can hear me on the screenplay. I'm not so much screaming, but at one point you're sliding all this puddle of blood and trying to not get chopped up. And I was going, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I finally did get through it. Uh, but yeah, that game was tough, tough, tough. And I yeah. haven't played the second one yet, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. But all right, since you haven't got to play through all that one, I don't want to say a whole lot because I don't want to spoil anything. But there we go. We've been hinting at Alien Isolation this entire yeah. hour. <laughs> I love that game, man. <laughs> Loved it. I, I bought it on a Steam sale and I didn't and it just sat in my inventory for a while. And I think I even started it. And maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for it at the time. But then I did. I played it again. And I, ah, oh, I just didn't stop until I was done. It was so great. Wow. And yeah, I, I, uh, I love being stalked. I love that I had to hold my breath inside the, you were talking about earlier about hiding in a locker mm-hmm. and you have to hold your breath for part of it or he'll, she'll, the alien will know you're in there and uh-huh. grab you. And, and, uh, and I got tired of going under, I, I got to, where I was checking all the vents in the ceiling because if you go under the wrong <laughs> yes. vent, it'll grab you and Ugh. oh, it, it was great. It was Ugh. a beautiful game too, just well done, very well done. Probably the best alien game uh, that I've ever played. Oh, I mean, best alien game bar none, clearly. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It captured the spirit of the first movie entirely. Oh, it looks exactly like the movie. Ugh. It's great. Ooh. And also getting around where you don't have a weapon. Yes. Oh. No, no way to, to defend yourself. Except no for, you know, the androids, I, I realized that you could, if you have a, once you pick up this wrench, you can smack the androids around because right. not only do you got an alien to contend with, but you've got killer bot 5,000 running around. Right. It's like, great. If it wasn't bad enough, I got this xenomorph chasing me around. You guys are like turned on the humans because you're panicked. So, but I, after, because I, I, I just finished The Evil Within and I'd had to lower the difficulty level, I will confess, when I played Alien Isolation, I was like, you know what, I just want to be able to get through the entire story and I want to make sure I can finish this. Now, I've been stalked enough. I, I dropped that difficulty level down to, to get in there. But even <laughs> then, even then, it was severely difficult. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, there's times I couldn't figure out how I was going to escape and you still had to hold your breath and lean back in the lockers yep. because yep. no eyes, no nose, no ears. It can hear you. It can smell you. It can see you. I mean, goodness yep. sakes. Freaky. Yeah. It's oh. a scary game. It's good. Oh. And it wasn't so much that it scared me. It was just the intensity because you're trying to not die because you can die so easily. Right. right. Especially because, I mean, you can hear it coming. But you, you know, you don't know when you're going to wander into it. And when you hear it, but you don't see it, especially when they have it crawling around in the vents. You're like, oh, man, where is it at? Where is it at? But after I watched a a bit of a playthrough where a guy beat it on nightmare mode in about five hours. Oh, wow. And I was like, holy cannoli. But he he gave a lot of tips. And he said, if you when you know what you're going there's a certain timer. It, the alien will be running around the vents, but it actually won't hear you when it's in the vents. It can't hear you. So you can actually could sprint it a little bit if you want, if you want to risk it. But if you go from point A to point B as quickly as you can, odds are it might not drop to, to actually stalk you. So you might be able to get through. So if you can power your way through it, but of course the first time we play it, we're exploring, we're looking and reading everything on every computer. And so you kind of wander your way through. But I guess after you know where everything is and you're like, I know where I need to go. Let me just get over there and get done the next objective. 
he, he didn't encounter the alien unless it was a scripted encounter when I was watching mm. this. Now, of course, I stopped before he, he got past where I was at because I was just I didn't want to spoil anything. And I just needed to get it, know how to get through. Uh, I got stuck when you're in the medical center and the bomb goes off and it scares the alien away. But then you need to escape before you die of smoke uh, inhalation or whatever. I right. could not see that ladder hanging up there. So it took me forever. Oh. I could not get out of that room. And so I was looking for, it's like, well, how do I get out of that room? So I ended up watching this guy and do that. And I was like, there's a ladder up there. <laughs> so, oh goodness. But there was a few times I didn't know where to go on that. And it's, it's not fair when you don't know where to go, but you still have to do something because you're being stalked. Right. Right. Oh, but I did love the motion detector because it would point you in the right direction most of the time. Right. So that thing was a lifesaver. Oh yeah. my goodness. But it, I, I, it did definitely change the tone when I realized if I can get to my next objective quick enough, I might not have to deal with it. But once I got that flamethrower, it was like, ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gives you a chance. Yes. And I, I found myself it's not hiding as much. Right. Although that flamethrower right. didn't always work. I had one time I did hide under a table and uh, I guess w- once the alien gets to where it's in the animation loop of killing you, you can't burn yeah. it away. Yeah. Can't break it. Yeah. So I, I did discover that while I was hiding under a table. So after after that, I was like, okay, I'm I'm not hiding anymore. I will duck down and I will try not to make noise. And maybe it won't notice me, but I'm like, bring it on, sucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got yeah. mad. I was tired of getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> so I do plan on playing through it again because I want to know if there's a different ending because uh, uh, it seemed kind of uh, vague. You just uh, Amanda Ribley ends up kind of spoilers uh, floating out in space and you kind of see lights from maybe a ship is coming to pick her up and then it just stops rolls credits. And yeah. I was like, it feels like there should have been more there, but maybe that's just the ending. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> oh, you're not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you might have played it on a more difficult level than i did i don't know i don't know it, it sounds familiar it's been a minute since i played i just i just remember really enjoying it and uh and and would i would play it again you know yeah well, and I, i'm going to definitely i like the evil within has a new game plus where i get to carry over all of my upgrades because you can level yourself up and get new guns and stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to play that one again with all, all of my upgrades and try to find a few more of the items that I didn't get uh, and, cool. and try a harder difficulty level to unlock some more things. Uh, Alien Isolation, I, I think I'm going to be starting back to square one when I play it again, but at least I have a I- general idea. So I think I can do a little better next time. Yeah. yeah well, th- get the mechanics. Down yeah. And now this next one on the game works. on the list, I have never played this because I I didn't like the idea that all I had was a camera with night vision to be able to look at. And I've seen oh. some clips where some guys getting butchered and they go right for the yeah. worst possible place. Yeah. It, this one you, you described earlier how uh, the game uh, within gave you sound effects of a guy chopping up somebody outlast chops the guy up right in front of you and, <laughs> and, and hangs the bodies right in front of you. And I'm not proud. Of, it's not my proudest game that I've ever played. You know, I'm not like <laughs> proud of, of the fact that I played this game, but what I, it's so good. It's <laughs> so good. And uh, it's so genuinely freaky and you feel like you're going to die uh, because there's so much stealth. You have no weapons. You, you can't see anything unless you're looking through, like you said, a, a, a video camera with night vision and you have to find batteries to keep that alive. Oh, my gosh. It was intense. It was a game I put down several times because I have to breathe. I have to go out and, and, and enjoy life and I have to pet a kitten and things like that so that I can feel like everything's OK. And you and don't even I like cats. Come back. 
I don't even like cats, but I got to get some serotonin here instead of this adrenaline running through my brain. And uh, but no, it was it was good. I'm playing through the second one. And it's been a, a three month playthrough because every time it's even worse. There's these redneck people that are part of a cult and they and they're scary. That scares me anyway. Just cult things always. It's like scary to me because people are brainwashed and all this. And they and they, 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 they there's all this stealth and there's wandering AI guys walking around and and they they can see you from across the yard, Ugh. even in the dark. And, and you'll hear them. They'll be like, hey, and you're like, oh, crap. And so you go try <laughs> to hide in a barrel, but they come and pull your butt out. And Yeesh. it's it's scary as mess, dude. It really is. Yeah, I say and I think even the outlast, too. I think I've seen where there's a clip or something splits you right in the worst possible place. Yeah. Yeah, like, everything. I, don't, I don't need to see that. No, it's it. I do. I wouldn't suggest it, but it's it's the first one was. Oh, it was, it <laughs> yeah. was it was just satisfying to make it through it. But there was so many scary parts. Oh, I've never I've never been so scared playing a game. Never. Yeah. yeah and that's never. we're actually getting into some games here where you are unarmed here, too, on the next on the list. Yeah. And one of these I've played one of them I'd like to play. But uh, there is one at least. Well, no, I guess I've played two of these. But the, oh, but I guess you couldn't. Okay, I did. You have more to add into Outlast before we go ahead? No, no, okay. I'm done. Because Five Nights at Freddy's, I uh, I played this on my phone a little mm-hmm. bit because you could pl- I can play the free version, and uh, I think I could get through maybe two, maybe three days. I just could not figure out, and it, it, it a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. It's like, how come I have this limited power supply? That doesn't even make sense. There's right. game mechanics that just didn't translate to where I just like I didn't get it, but. Uh, boy, the, the 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 kids really got into this. I drove a school bus for one school year, and uh, kids would discuss their theories on what's really going on about some kid that was murdered in there, and he's possessed the Freddy or something. I yeah, don't know. There's a lot of lore yeah. behind the game, but the the game itself, I I I got it. I got how to play it. You know, you you can close the doors to keep the animatronic guys from coming to get you and, you know, and, and, and turn on lights at certain times and watch the video cameras. But the jump scares, dude, I just <laughs> couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was, it scared me too bad. And I can, I can handle like, like, like walking through a haunted house. I can, I enjoy the creativity. I enjoy the mechanical side of it, but the guys jumping out to scare you. That's what gets me. I my heart can't handle it. I just can't make it through without wanting to either start uh, closing my eyes and grabbing my wife's back and wa- having her walk me through the whole thing, <laughs> or or uh, maybe sometimes I just want to le- use the chicken exit. I'm, I'm not a- ashamed to say it, but yeah, I I uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is a favorite, and it took the world by storm, and yeah. you know it's a cult classic and all that kind of stuff. But it's just something I've never played past the first day of of the first game. And, uh, but there's supposed to be a first person shooter version. What? Um, where you're in a, a, a Freddy Fosbear's game, you know, like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese building, and you can go around and slide down slides and get in the ball pit and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. That one I might, I might look into. Yeah, maybe. Know. Cause I like first person shooters. I really yeah. do. I, so, uh, I don't know. I, I've seen the preview for it. Nice. It good. And so you're actually armed then? Uh, I don't know. Oh, so it might just be first are. person perspective, but not necessarily yeah. a shooter. Right, Ooh. right. <laughs> oh. Because I would yeah, want like an EMP gun or something. Like, yeah, robots, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Freddy. 
Yeah. I'll fast your bender. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that even made sense. <laughs> but, no, I, I got what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But, uh, so layers of fear. Now, yeah. I, I've played the first one. In fact, yeah. I played it again for the second time, actually, just last weekend. The weird thing is I've got it on my Nintendo Switch. I found out if I played it on the PlayStation, I could actually get some achievements. Uh, but okay. this is one, apparently, the story, can, I didn't realize that you can get different endings depending upon different paths that you can take through this oh, creepy yeah. house. Huh. But, ooh, I, I like how you described it. Beautiful and disturbing because, oh yes. my gosh, the style and the, oh, it's amazing, yeah. but it's so it's creepy. So artsy. It's really good. And uh, yeah, you slowly make your way through this, this storyline and uh, you, it, uh, it, 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 it opens very slowly chapter by chapter, almost mm-hmm. page by page through um, what really happened in, in this situation with this painting and, and the, the subject of the painting and the artist that's painting it. And, and uh, it's really good. Now the second one is, uh, is totally different and um, you're, you're an actor mm. and you're on, uh, you've been called in to to perform and audition for a part of a lifetime, and you start going through these series of weird uh, encounters and and lots of lots of mannequins, and weird lighting, and you know stuff like that. And you're you're asked to make choices like shooting a female mannequin or a male mannequin, and, and that are having dinner, and and you know just weird messing with your mind kind of stuff. And it's another game that I have I have to set it down and walk away from occasionally. <laughs> um, I'm at a point now where there's this invisible monster that's chasing me through a building and I can get away from him, but I can't get that door locked fast enough. And Dad Gummity comes and gets me and I get frustrated and I rage quit. So mm. um <laughs> that's interesting. I, like the first one you really can't lose. I mean, I guess yeah, I guess there's yeah. te- te- typically you could die because you do come across the ghost of the the guy's wife. And she'll come and get you, but then you'll be on the ground and you'll wake up and you'll be somewhere else. Right. Uh, apparently, and I, I've seen some footage where you're playing on PlayStation, you get an achievement for the first time that, uh, and it's called Embracing Death when she gets mm-hmm. you. So I'm like, oh, so does that mean you died at that? And it's like, is there a way to have avoided that? Or is that yeah. just, a, I've always figured it was just part of the game because it's yeah. almost like you're walking through a novel. Right. Uh, and it's right. like Edgar Allan Poe wrote this thing because you're. Yeah. it's like a dive into madness. And yes. so you don't know. It's like, okay, how much of this is happening in the house? Is there something really wrong with his house, or is it all in his head? Is he drunk right now because he's got an alcohol problem? Right. And so it's this really disturbed thing that's mm-hmm. ooh. And there's I haven't played all the. Uh, there's a DLC that comes with the first one that's uh, the daughter returning to the home. I don't okay. know if I've played through all of that. I should do that sometime. But yeah, the second one sounds like you can actually uh, lose at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely now. There's a setting. Where you can just turn off the monsters and and play the story, hmm. uh, but I don't want to do it that way. I want to make it through as as the game was intended to be played. So, uh, but yeah, there's something something. It's random encounters, and it's just uh, I think it's scripted, but it feels random to me because you know it's the first time I've played through it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you just the the music hypes up and 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 the monsters making noises behind you, and he's slowly coming down, and you can't really see him because. I, I just imagine he's so scary that your eyes can't manifest what he is. And, and it's just, it's just warping reality all around him. And, and you're trying to get through these doors and you have to open them and they're heavy metal doors and you're swinging them open and getting through and they're swinging them shut and shut and locking them. And it slows him down so you can get through a little bit more of the map, you know, but he always catches me. 
always mm. catches up with me. So. Goodness. That might oh. be one that I'd want to play through without the monsters, then come back and do it with the monsters. So I have an <laughs> idea of where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, so I can just keep moving as best I can to see yeah, if I can get away from panic. it. Panic. It's just anxiety inducing. I think that's the biggest part. Is it's it maybe not scary. It's just anxiety. And you I have my heart's racing and I have to just I have to quit. I just have to wait, walk away for a while. Yeah. So. You know, and I'll look for some more explanation on some of the stuff I may have missed and, and uh, different endings on that. I did see something. They're supposed to have released a third one here this month, but I don't know if it's out yet. I don't know. Hmm. But I did see something about a third one that, that is expected release was October 2021. So if y'all are into layers of fear, you know, and you've played through these other two, get on it. Get on it. Play that third one. Send me an email. Tell me what you think of the third one. But yeah, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, which apparently that's Amnesia has become a series of games. Yeah. I haven't yeah. played any of them, but I've seen some footage and I've seen the bit where you're you're like there's water on the ground and you're trying to hop and not get in the water. But because this thing is stalking, you can see it splashes of it stepping in the water. Yes. And, ooh, it's it's scary. It's scary. It's it's a lot like Alien Isolation. You're a lot of hiding. You have no weapons. Um, there there are random creatures walking around. And you're hiding in 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 cabinets and, and in barrels and things like that, trying to get away. And I've got the second one on my wish list, waiting for uh, Steam sale to, to take it down a notch. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's puzzle uh, puzzle game. You know, you have to find keys and unlock doors, and you don't get access to the entire place. But uh, at first, but it's it's good. It's really good. I I really suggest it to people yeah so. I'm, I'm definitely have to try it sometime that and oh i you know, i should have listed i've only played through the demo of this and it's an old game series i guess they've made at least three but there's a game called fear yeah that uh we should have probably mentioned that because that boy i remember the demo that i used to play it was just i played it on pc and i felt like it was easier to aim with a with a mouse so if i ever played i want to play it on a pc uh, but ooh, that that game messed with your head, and you got the creepy little girl like you get in Resident Evil Seven that's like screwing with your head. And ugh. yeah, yeah, I I've never played it. I own the game and never have played it. Oh never my goodness! Yeah, well, never maybe next year we'll talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's a scary game when you name it Fear. Yeah, yeah, we will scare you and inspire inspire fear. So that's my evil voice. You're welcome. It's, it's very scary. <laughs> Uh, so the next one soma i don't even know what this is oh man nah yeah you need to you need to give it yourself a shot it's an underwater game okay you're underwater first person um and it's not super scary but there is a random encounter monster with all these eyes and and light shoots out of him and if he gets too close to you you die and Um, it took me a while to get through it because I couldn't figure out how to get past him. And I talked to somebody and they told me and, and I loved it. It was great. You're, you're an, um, you're a person that has been uploaded into a robot and, um, you wake up in this chaos riddled area. that's all underwater and, uh, you're trying to get yourself onto an arc that is leaving the planet Mm. so that you can live. Uh, but you have to get uploaded, you know, to it. And um, it's just, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a really good, it's an independent, you know, game, um, but it has a, a following and, and it's really good. It sounds like it's a slightly scary version of Subnautica, which I own, but I haven't played yet. 
Yeah, just no crafting or, you know, uh, not a lot of exploration. It's pretty linear, but I don't I don't mind linear. I like, yeah. you know, I, I like knowing where to go next. Yeah. You know, it's one of the nice things about linear is I like a story. Yeah. And, you know, exactly. so it's games are like movies now, except for I get to be the main character. And I yeah, love that. I, and there's there's not a, a lot of story, I would say, to it from what I remember, but there is a there's a there's a character that you interact with that helps you through it and um they have your best interest in mind and um but it's it's got a good twist at the end it's it's got all the makings of a of a of a good uh a good game it was a pleasant experience um with just enough super spooky moments that i would say it's still survival horror so well you're trying to survive and something's horrible i'll count it yeah 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 <laughs> So like the next thing you you ask the question, does Half-Life count? And I'm like, heck yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I haven't played through all of Half-Life. I do own a copy, but uh, I, I, the way I was playing it on a PC through my Steam account, I really wanted to have a controller because I was, I was smacking things with a wrench more than I was shooting things. And right. I'd rather have a console instead of a mouse click feels weird if I'm melee fighting. Uh, I'd rather have a button. I don't know why, but it just didn't feel mm. right. Uh, but I hooked up a controller to my PC and, a, and apparently because of the way Half-Life is programmed, you can't do that. But I knew uh, no, there's a, a thing that the orange box, I guess the Half-Life 2 is on with Portal and everything. Yeah. You can get it on the console. But of course, I've already beaten Portal with a, on my PC anyway, so I don't really need to buy it. But so I haven't played through all of it. But yeah, Half-Life, you, you go a while to build it up. But once everything goes downhill, it goes scary pretty quick. Yeah, and and the reason why I wanted to ask if it counted because I wasn't scared playing it, but my buddy that I mentioned that that got Resident Evil, he was super. He was the kind of guy that everything scared him, and he got Resident Evil because he knew he wouldn't be able to play it, and he got Half Life. And I went over to his house and I watched him play, and those head crabs would jump on him, and he would he got up and threw his headphones on the ground and walked out of the room. He was so <laughs> scared. Oh. <laughs> and I just enjoy, like I said, it never freaked me out, but I loved watching him play these, you know, 20 years before Twitch streaming was a thing. Right. I was watching this guy play a game because it was so entertaining because he got so freaked out. Yeah. Oh, and I can understand because it, it is creepy. Those crabs things, they come, they're like face huggers, man. They just come out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Oh, and it's and it's horrible. It's almost like weird zombies and stuff. And yeah, it's it's got a creepy environment. It's kind of like Bioshock is kind of got a scary environment, though it's not necessarily a horror game. It's got that first one's got some scary stuff. And even the the, oh, yeah. the beginning of the game when you get in there and you have one of the splicers with the hooks that's trying to get into your capsule where you're at, and just and you, even yeah. before that you see her like rip into a guy and like oh. Yeah, if you don't like scary games, you're not gonna like Bioshock, even though we wouldn't <laughs> classify it as survival horror. Yeah, it it it's still it's it's a spooky game. Yeah, and 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 the the villains that you kill are really disturbing, especially the plastic surgeon guy. Oh, oh yeah, that guy yeah. was disturbing as heck. Oh, it's very satisfying to destroy. Yes, yeah, you're basically, and that's one of the things that was kind of cool with uh, Bioshock Two is you have villains that maybe they were doing bad things, but they weren't as bad as the first one, and you were given a choice on some of them. Do you want to kill or show mercy to this boss? Mm -hmm. And that was, mm -hmm. I love the moral choices you have in Bioshock. Yeah. I love that because yeah. that makes like, oh, and I can, you can get rewarded for your choices that you make yeah. in a game. I, I really love that. You buy different story aspects, and I've never just, I'm such a goody-goody, I can never make bad choices to get bad endings. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't do it. 
There was something else I was thinking, even thinking that we should have stuck on here. Uh, and I cannot, I only have played a demo, but I've heard people talk about it. And it's where I think you're playing as, it's, I think it's called Condemned. And there's a series of them, but you're playing as like a police detective and you're trying to track down like this mystery of this serial killer. But they have a lot of disturbing, scary moments apparently in that one as well, uh, especially with mannequins that seem to have moved by themselves. Oh, so uh, I've, I've only played a little bit of demo, but I've seen some footage of it. But uh, that's that's become an older game. That is a couple of generations. That is PS3, Xbox 360 era. Yeah, uh, that's 2005, according to the Internet. Condemned yeah. criminal origins. Yes, indeed. And I think they made like three of them. And uh, the, the Xbox 360 came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, the thing is with the uh, Xbox 360 is um, it's it's almost a brick now. They, they, it's got no online feature whatsoever. You don't even get to sign in anymore. So my 360 is sitting there waiting for me to upgrade that thing so I can still play my old Xbox games. There you go. Yeah, I, I had that one before. I had my PS2 and PS3 and stuff. Of course, I don't have a PS2 anymore, but I'm still playing on a PS4 and a Switch. Yeah. <laughs> but I like I like earning an achievement. It makes me feel good. I don't go purposely after getting an achievement to get a platinum, but I like when I get it, and especially in a horror game, uh, an alien isolation, getting an achievement means I have completed another chapter. Right. And you need that little pat on the back and say, you made it. You made it. You got through another one, and you're not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> so achievements make me feel good in a horror game because I feel like, aha, I have accomplished something. Even though sometimes you get an achievement like Resident Evil 4, if you shoot the water and you get eaten by the big salamander monster thing, you get the achievement of don't disturb the waters. <laughs> so, which I did that on purpose on the PS4 when I was, because I'd already, you know, I've beaten it so many times on the GameCube to where I've got uh, the infinite rocket launcher. So now I could, I could just play it on the GameCube for giggles because nothing okay. can stand up to me. But, you know, going back on the PS4, oh, look, a brand new copy. I got to start from square one. And it makes it a lot tougher because now I've just got a pistol. Uh. So <laughs> it's suddenly Resident Evil 4 became scary again. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, they're always worth a replay and always worth a, a few fresh nightmares. Uh, and of course, no, we didn't cover every single potential survival horror game. We just kind of covered most of what we've played. There's probably a few things we play that we didn't think of. Well, yeah, I mean, like Slender, the Slender oh, Man yeah. game. I, played, know, that I one. played that one. There's yeah. a lot of indie games. There's one called uh, Wick where there's these scary kids and you have a candle and you're walking through uh, the woods and, and a field and they they kind of flash in front of you kind of jump scary kind of stuff mm. but these are you know this is a good sampling as, yeah. as far as triple a titles yeah. and some double a so. and there are some that i still want to play like that phantasmagoria or something fan but uh, you're supposed to be ghost hunters or whatever and you're trying to investigate a ghost it's it's an online game i've seen it on steam i haven't par- yeah. purchased it yet yeah. so i think it's on mm-hmm. my watch list but i want to play with that one but what i would like is a modified version of that because what I think would be fun, because I like the idea of going into a house and, okay, we know it's haunted. We just got to find the ghost, identify what type it is. If you had Ghostbuster-style equipment, oh yeah, that would be a great Ghostbuster-style game, because apparently your team is going in to identify the ghost and know exactly what it is, and then you come back out and another team is supposed to come in later and, and eliminate the spirit or whatever. But it's like, if you kind of just tooled that into a Ghostbusters, where first we had to figure out what we're dealing with, kind of like the old real Ghostbusters cartoon, they had to kind of figure out what they were dealing with so they knew how to capture it. Right. If if they get some license, the people who made that game get some license and make that as a Ghostbuster style game, I'm going to be all over it like uh, grease on a chicken wing or something. <laughs> I think I just invented a term. I don't know. I was there. I, you go grease <laughs> on a chicken wing. I like it. <laughs> but I would be so okay. I'm I'm already kind of into it. I want to play it because it looks very cool and scary. Uh, and there's a lot of indie games I've seen some footage of that. Uh, like man, that looks kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, we've 
definitely not put a definitive list, but we definitely played some. If you haven't played these uh, and you like this kind of thing and you're looking for something fun to do around, you know, this month, if you whether you celebrate this holiday or not, or you try to ignore it, make it go away. These are still fun games. Yeah. Yeah, I found a couple that I'm going to go. go. I've been inspired to try <laughs> some Resident Evil 2. So. Oh, yes, that remake. Uh, that remake is good. It's, it's on sale so right now good. on Steam. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. And especially if they have some of the downloadable stuff where you can just unlock everything. That's kind of fun, too. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Especially as, as I like that the, you can unlock the original music from the original game. Uh, I haven't played through the game with the original music stuck back in it yet, but uh, I like that they included it. Uh, but it's having having like not really music, but a, like an environmental feel to the area that in the remake kind of works. And it's kind of nice also to have things quiet because you need to be able to hear that Mr. X stomping around the place. You kind of know where he is so you can avoid him at any cost because you're not going to win that fight. I mean, well, you can, you can knock him down and I don't know if you get any bonuses for him. I never really knocked him down with anything. Cause I, you know, you're low on ammo as it is. Yeah. Right. So I save my ammo. I'm like, okay, uh, he can't really run. So I can probably get away and get a few rooms away and he might not figure out where I went. So, <laughs> You kind of just do that. Plus, I kind of figured out he hangs around in the library. So if I kind of can avoid that area until I absolutely have to go to the library, just don't go over there. Because for some reason, he is always there. Okay. So I will I will keep that in mind. Oh, yes. Because well, that's part of the fun. But it'll make it just uh, either just as or if not more intense than Alien Isolation. Because you're being stalked by something that's got a got an AI attached to it that knows where you where how to find you. Oh. If you go running around the place, it's going to hear you running. And yeah. it, it, he's coming. Plus, if uh, they, they even set up where the liquors now, because they don't have uh, eyes, but they can hear, you can actually sneak past liquors. But if you shoot something, it's coming. And they made them harder to deal with than they were in the original game. Oh, so, man. some things to keep in mind. But yeah, if you ever want to play through Resident Evil 7, you want to start from the beginning, I say we live stream it and I will be on there and try <laughs> to guide you as best I can and we'll make it fun. Uh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Well, thanks for coming it. on. Even when we didn't do anything funny. So. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yep. It's, it's the many the many sides of James. The many sides of James. The part of James that James don't talk about at parties. Yes. And especially yes. not at church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of a joke, you know, that, that if you have a Christian and you bring him fishing with you, if you have one Christian, you you don't want to do that because he'll drink all your beer. Um, <laughs> but if you have two Christians, they, they won't drink any. So <laughs> that's so, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that yeah, kind of varies pretty, by denomination, I think, too. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, but, some of uh, us have wine at communion. Some of us have grape juice. Yeah, and some of us can can call ourselves saved and still play scary games, and some of us can't. You know, right. it's, it's just it's all according to what you can handle. And, yeah, uh, it's it's all part of that grace word. And uh, there was even you know Paul even says that while everything is allowable, not everything is profitable. Right. So this is allowable, and it's I'm not doing anything bad really. No. So. No, I'm 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 saving the world from bad guys. That's, That's what right. I'm doing. I am saving the world from zombies, and right. sometimes worse. Killing bad guys. You know, killing That's what I tell guys. my wife. I'll be in the basement killing bad guys, <laughs> saving the world. Yeah, no uh, big deal. When my wife nope. comes in, the, in on me when I'm playing a game, she's like, "Are you vanquishing evil in here?" <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> 
But anyways, quick reminder, everybody go. Uh, it's, it used to be called Nobody's Listening. So the website is NLCast.com. Uh, have you ever made one that's that story show? Yeah, that's for sure.com. Okay, okay yeah. awesome. But go check out if we've disturbed you, go check out that story show and hear some much less disturbing stories, except for sometimes people send in stories of injuries, uh, which I find disturbing. <laughs> uh, I don't think injuries are not funny. I watch AFV and people, I, when I watch somebody fall down and get hurt there, I'm like, okay, well, you're, you, you hurt yourself a little bit, but you didn't injure yourself. So right. I can still laugh with you that, okay, you smacked your head. <laughs> we'll laugh at you. But if you got hurt, I can't laugh at you. I'm sorry because I feel bad for you. I can't help no. it. Well, we, we go for things that get a reaction and <laughs> right. uh, in injury stories. If somebody sends them in and that's what we're all about is submitted stories. We put, right. uh, we put your funny life stories in the spotlight and uh, some, some kid sends in a story about the time he got 10 stitches, you know? Yeah. It's a rough read, but we get to relive what they went through, you yeah. know? And, and uh, yeah, it's fun. And it's, it's usually how they got way. hurt. That is, it's an interesting story. Yeah, it's like because yeah. usually it's like, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? Like there was one kid, I think, playing baseball. and had a machete or something for yeah, some reason. Had a, had a machete strapped to his leg and went swinging his arm and cut off part of his hand because <laughs> yeah. he's thinking wearing a machete randomly in the country because he's a country kid and that's what they do. Yep. So yeah, baseball machetes don't mix. Right. There's a lot of things <laughs> in machetes that don't cooking, um, you know, bathing. I, I don't know. Driving, uh, uh, playing with machetes and machetes don't mix. So, you know, <laughs> yes, don't play with machetes, period. There yeah. You go. Just stay don't away from them. machetes. Yeah, they're they're good it. for jungle movies. If you're going to yeah, go and, out exploring and, in the jungle, you know. And if you're handy. a Jason, if you drowned because some teenagers were messing around and they weren't watching you. Yeah. Go get you a machete. But short yeah. of that, leave them alone. There you go. And with that, I would like to remind you, of course, to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find out how to join the Neverlanders. Just come up with a good nickname is all it takes. You can become either a Lost Boy or a Pixie. We would like to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show for helping us out with our intro. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Neverland PCast, on Facebook, of course, at Neverland Podcast. We also do have a Facebook group, of course, Neverland Podcast. Again, just look under groups. You can leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. You can donate to our Patreon, and please do. That helps keep the show going. Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast. Also, on our website, at the front page, you can find out about My Podcast Reviews. Just click there on the logo, My Podcast Reviews, for a very reasonable fee. You can get your reviews if you happen to have a podcast from around the world and sources that you normally don't get to see and brought to you really easily to your email. But until next time, get lost in an adventure!
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 